What's going on everybody, Adrian on here with you. It is a Tuesday night, October 17, 2023. How's everybody doing out there today with me? I got uh, Alec Nava coming in here into this Twitter slash X space. So we will give you game two of this NLCS. I'll go through the starting lineups here for you first. So head coach by Tori Lavuo, it is Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Tommy Pham, Christian Walker, Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Alec Thomas, Evan Longoria, and Geraldo Perdomo. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, head coach by Rob Thompson, the lineup sounds like this. Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, Brandon Marsh, and Johan Rojas on that side. And from what we know, Alec, this is a Philadelphia Phillies team that is just blasting the baseball out of Citizens Bank Park. And I know most people will not label this as a must-win in just a game two. But you got Aaron Nola on the mound against Merrill Kelly. And I think this is about as close to it as it gets. It surely is. You would expect that game one would have been a pitching matchup between Zach Wheeler and Zach Gowan. But the Phillies, they have not even let Zach Gowan get comfortable when he came onto the mound to start being soft. Because the Phillies, they were hitting dangers left and right. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, in the first inning, set the tone for that game for the Phillies to go up 5 nothing. Even with the Diamondbacks trying to come back, it still wasn't enough for them. So they'll have to get a nice outing here from Merrill Kelly if they were to get back into series headed to Chase Field. I've seen a lot of the stuff on MLB Network as I've been checking things in and out. And they all of them mention, especially Dan Plesek, will throw it out there a lot often, and says that the Phillies have the two best starters remaining in the postseason, and Wheeler and Nola tonight. And I know for Nola's numbers, especially on the last year's side, he was close to a 4.91 ERA. But right now in the postseason, he's about 1.42. I think the numbers are probably somewhere in the middle, and we know how good he is. I just want to make this note a little bit that it's different from last year. When I thought about JT Real Muto and Nick Castellanos in the middle of the lineup in the World Series, they didn't seem to have a lot of protection. Now you move them down to 6-7, and seven. you add Trey Turner in the offseason. I mean, look, Kyle Schwarber's hitting 197, but you know what helps? When you got 47 home runs and 104 RBI on that side. So this team just seems like it has a lot of protection. And on this side, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it really feels like a Rangers-Phillies World Series is on the horizon if things don't change tonight. Yeah, it seems like they may be the way that it's going to go up based on what we're seeing here. Because I've covered the first two games of the Lone Star mm -hmm. ALCS, and I've seen the Rangers come up out on top of both of those two games. The Rangers had as many hits in, in the first two innings of Game 2 than they had all of Game 1. Let that sink in. They can score at will, but I expected Game 1 of that series to be a pitching duel, and I, did not, I was not disappointed by it to see that it lived up to that name. Game two, I saw that the offenses break a little loose there, especially both teams with their Astros rallying around. Perhaps the Phillies may have something similar in store here in game two, now that everything is broken loose, that these number two starters are coming into the mound for each of their respective teams. So I know you gave the breakdown for the ALCS. You covered the first two games, and thankful for that, you've been able to shed some light on it because I want to be able to do a little bit of that tomorrow and see what happens. I know the schedule will open up for me next week, so that way we can lock in on some of this before the World Series starts. But I do got to get your thoughts. As far as Texas and Houston, 
you and I said the same thing. I know that you've been way out in front of picking predictions. I only started in the playoff side, but as soon as the playoffs started, I wanted to make a mention of the football side of the picks that I do. I threw a baseball prediction out there. I said the Texas Rangers will go to the World Series, but I, I wasn't uh, keen enough to say in between the Braves or the Phillies because I just didn't know, right? It, the, it was so big on that side, but the pitching was definitely in favor of Philadelphia, and that's why they beat the Braves. But for the Texas Rangers, I mean, they've gotten the pitching now, Alec, and they're undefeated in the postseason. And all we asked for, Alec, is if they got some pitching, Texas would be extremely dangerous, and they really look like it. And they have looked dangerous for the most part, especially considering the pitching. They have turned things around, even in the bullpen. Their bullpen was 4.77 ERA on average during the regular season. They turned that down to 2.16 entering the ALCS in Incredible. the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of stayed that way from the first game that we covered with the Tampa Rays. And you know what's funny? I'll just make this observation before we get into it. All the teams that won 100 games were all the teams that lost first. It's incredible. And only one division winner remains, the Astros. And they're down 0-2 to the Rangers. So maybe there is something to be said about, again, pacing yourself. I understand injuries are part of the game, but just to be able to get in. I mean, the Philadelphia Phillies this year had a horrible start to the year, but they got into the wild card, and look how good they've been doing now. And, I mean, you think about home field advantage or, I guess, road side of it. The Phillies have been really good. Texas has been really good. But we're going to be getting underway here. Aaron Nola, 4-2. and two. With a 376 postseason career and seven starts. Again, 491 last year, about 115 right now in a couple starts, and about 12 and a third. So that's what we're looking at. This is a guy that can throw five different pitches. He may top out about 95 miles an hour, but he's a guy, when you, when you make the argument, you say pitchers pitch, and what I mean by that is he can paint corners and he knows what spots to pick to be able to get batters off balance. He definitely can. <laughs> If we speak of Aaron Nola, he and Zach Wheeler are definitely that one-two punch for Philadelphia. Wheeler being the number one, Nola backing him up as the number two, and he's been filling in nicely on that spot. So I've heard a lot about Corbin Carroll. I haven't been able to really cover the Diamondbacks, so it'll be nice to see this now. But again, these are just regular season numbers, but what's really eye-popping to me, my friend, is 54 stolen bases. And that's like... You're catching up with Ronald Acuna Jr. on that category, going stolen base after stolen base. Just remember, Acuna had 73 of those. Yeah, and you have 25 home runs on top of that. So you have speed-power combination, and that's very rare in uh, baseball in regards of all of that because usually you have one tool or the other, but this guy's got pretty much all five. It's a one-and-one one count here. Nola's about to throw his third pitch in the game. But you got to be careful with Carroll because he could turn a single into a double. And this is going to be... Right to the shortstop and drop by Turner, and he's got no play. Oh, bad break for Trey Turner. I remember when Trey Turner, he committed two errors in game two against Atlanta. That was key to Atlanta winning that game. There was another one of those errors, and Corbin Carroll capitalized off of that. The rookie coming up sharp here for Arizona. Yeah, you get any sort of bobble, my friend, there. There is no chance to get Corbin Carroll at first. And, I mean, that seemed like a pretty sure hop. We're not talking about a turf situation that we talked about in Tampa. So we'll have to see if he can make the adjustment. You got Cartel Marte, the switch hitter, immediately offers it the first pitch, puts it on the right field line foul. You know about Cartel Marte? 
and Corbin Carroll leading the, the first two off. Andrew Spall that one up. Tommy Fan, who came home from the Mets, and he's been coming up big as a DH for Arizona. Yes, he has. He's a guy that can play that left field corner that he did with the Boston Red Sox. But in that trade, he'd spend 50 games of pretty solid numbers. But we'll see what Cattell Marte can do here, batting second in the order, the switch hitter. Again, he's in the infield now. He's going to cue this one in the same spot, and we'll do it again 0-2. I mean, second straight foul ball to the, the ground right side for Cattell Marte. And if you're a Marte, you'd imagine that you need to get a pitch that you like from Aaron Nola. It's not going to be easy, though, because Nola's really good as a number two starter. Yes, he is. And again, from what you're saying about finding that pitch, you want to be able to get Corbin Carroll. A single gets him to third base. I mean, that's how fast he is. So Nola is going to deliver here. And this is swung and a missed on a devastating curveball. Nola gets the strikeout. Right below the zone. He was trying to just golf swing that one right up and paid the price for it. Yeah, when you can go from 95 to about 78 in that differential, I mean, that's about as hard as it gets. And again, you pay the price when you take those big swings. I think that's perfectly said. When you got somebody like Carroll on base, I'll just hammer it home again. You just need to make contact, and anything can happen at this point. We just saw what happened with Trey Turner. So we'll see what Tommy Pham's going to do. Again, in his 50 games since the trade, 241, which is not too bad. Six bombs and 32 RBI as Nola... Does not get the call. That one was a ball, but that will draw the fans' ire. I mean, just below the zone, just slightly inches below the zone when coming on that. Pitch number seven is going to be a short leadoff here for Corbin Carroll, and that will draw a throw back to Bryce Harper. And again, for Bryce Harper, when you think about it, first base, this was not his primary position, but he had to do that a little bit this year from some of the injuries, and He's looked very solid at that spot, and that allowed the rest of the lineup for Rob Thompson to just continue to add more hitters in there, and that's exactly what you want. So the pitch clock down to five. That is a good-looking curveball in an inside, but Nola does get the call on this one, make it one and one. You speak of Bryce Harper. He had a home run on his birthday yesterday. He recently turned 31, so happy late birthday to him. So he can play anywhere on this lineup now that you think about him being injured to first base is not his primary position. Both Kyle Schwarber listed as a DH. He played at DH during the World Series seven yeah. years ago with the Cubs. So he's used to that. So that allows Bryce Harper to move on to DH and on to first base. Yeah, that makes it easy on that side because, like you said, Schwarber, that's where you would want him. And then when you have Brandon Marsh and the Nick Castellanos, who played some sparkling outfield last year, they didn't even think he could play outfield when he was in Detroit. They always try to put him on the hot corner, but... Man, he's really fine a home in right field. So, again, as you said, the protection's been there. One and two. Pitch clock down to two, and they've used the second disengagement on Carroll. So, he might be uh, getting a little bit of loose feet here, Alec. You think he might go here even on a one and two. So, Tommy Pham's going to have to make contact with this. He has to, 100%. So, Aaron Nola gets set to deliver on the one and two, and Carroll's got a big lead now, but he doesn't go. And that is a strike that was right for the taking, almost in the middle of the heart. I'm not sure what Tommy Pham was doing there, but he's punched out. Got to take a chance at it. You have to take those chances when it's going right down from Main Street. And that time he didn't, paid the price for it, and now leads us to Christian Walker at the plate. 
So when I looked at these numbers as far as getting the notes ready just before game time here, 33 bombs and 103 RBI. So Christian Walker has definitely provided the offense, and this is a curveball way outside the zone. So again, the disengagements reset for each batter, so you get back to two. But in the postseason, 250, one bomb, five RBI. He's 0 for 3 in game with a walk and a run scored. But you do have to be very careful with Christian Walker here. As he went for the downs in a fastball, he was late. Ah, got his beat. That's the importance of timing those swings. You got to know when and you can time those swings perfectly. And when it's a little late, 10 out of 10 times, it's going to be a swing and miss. No doubt about that. And you're able to get that at 93 miles an hour. So you mixed up the speed. This is a curveball in off the hands. Bryce is going to back up, going to let it go for Bryce and stop. And Aaron Nola, able to get out of the first, will go to the bottom first, scoreless. So nothing going there for Arizona after leading offensive playmakers in Carroll, Walker, and Marte. So see how Philadelphia responds with Schorber, Turner, and Harper. Yeah, looking at the lineup, my friend, I mean, I, I don't want to be disingenuous to any Diamondbacks fans because they've definitely earned their spot. When you sweep the Dodgers, it definitely puts everybody on order. But you look at this matchup on paper, and it feels one-sided to me. I'm not going to lie. Kind of does, because you look at all the names that Philadelphia has. Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, everyone from top to bottom, even the pitcher, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, even the closer I need to mention, yeah. Greg Kimbrell, who had the save last, and last night in Game 1. That's a, that's a really nice lineup that Philadelphia has. Even though they had 90 wins on the year, they're not playing like a 90-win team. They're playing like a 100-win team. Yeah, they are. And I think about it, too. I know he was a longtime GM of the Detroit Tigers, but Dave Dombrowski, he's moved over. I understand you don't always win, but every team that he's helped kind of construct around that time between Detroit and Philadelphia, and even the Marlins when they won, when it was Pudge and it was a young Miguel Cabrera on that end, he's been a part of that, and he's constructed a really good team. And I know I heard the comments when the Philadelphia Phillies went to the next part of the series and playing the Diamondbacks, and he was asked by one of the reporters, he goes, are you glad that Dave opened the pocketbook to go ahead and get guys like Trey Turner? He goes, well, yeah, I am, because it's not my money. <laughs> Sometimes I have to be wondering about the Pirates and their uptrends towards the future. And they're building around Brian Reynolds and keep Brian Hayes. Mm -hmm. Probably a full year of O'Neill Cruz and Henry Davis as well. How do you think about that from time to time? Now that the Phillies are up this good, we need to have a fully competitive all Pennsylvania rivalry now in the MLB. Now that this is coming to fruition. I like that. Those are some good young players that you mentioned. <laughs> On the Pirates' side, again, everybody wants to see them do well. Again, when I think about PNC, and any time I see that on TV, I think that's one of the most beautiful ballparks that are in the business. I want to see them do well because any time I always think about Andrew McCutcheon with the dreads, that brings me some good times when I think about the Pirates. And he's back for a second stint as their DH this time around, giving a veteran presence to this young core. You got Turner and Harper second and third, and we look at it right now, Alec. I see 500 and 409 for the averages. That is a deadly one two punch on the Phillies lineup. And both of them, Turner and Harper, formerly with Washington, now with Philadelphia, yeah. just a drive 
from the nation's capital, and so far they have not disappointed. No, they have not. And again, you also have a couple different players that are from Las Vegas, Nevada on that side, alongside Bryce Harper. Again, we talk about uh, turned 31 years of age. When you think about Harper and Castellanos, it's just a question of how many home runs they're going to hit. And now for Kyle Schwarber, again, I always mention this when I talk about him. It's a home run, it's a walk, or a strikeout. Because you got 47 bombs, 126 walks, 215 strikeouts. And Kelly gets the call on a fastball outside the zone. It's 0-1 against Schwarber. That nearly hit him. He had to jump out of the way to dodge that ball. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I, I may be ahead of that. But... You're just a little bit ahead of me on that side, but he had 1-1 one and one as this next one came in there and hit him. So four home runs for a leadoff. That's the most in MLB postseason history. I think about him with Team USA alongside Trey Turner. And uh, a lot of fireworks on that end, so we'll see what Schrober can do with one and one. Merrill Kelly, this is a curveball, and he was able to get Schrober to reach for it. Easy toss over, and Schrober's out. Sometimes I think about Schrober and his time with the Cubs when they won the World Series in 2016. He missed the, most, the majority of the regular season, came back for the World Series. They said he wasn't ready to play defense yet, so they listed him as DH, and that decision paid off. What just happened with Trey Turner? That bat came flying out of his hands. Oh my goodness, down the left field line. Thankfully, they have the nets. That almost went in toward the uh, dugout side. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was so close. We witnessed some bizarre events here in baseball. If you remember George Kirby getting hit by a baseball from the stands. Yes. And now this happens. Yeah, we were covering that game when that happened. We just couldn't believe that. So you're going to get a little bit more of that spray on the gloves and make sure you get some stickum on that bat. They let you use that. You just can't have the pine tar on the top of it. And Turner will get set to dig back in. His camera's doing a shot at TBS and Corbin Carroll. i got to tell you, I love that Diamondback snake with the baseball on the side of it. I think that looks clean. Oh, yeah. I love that logo, too. Turner! High fly ball! Left field line! Gone! Put the spray on it! Hit the home run! It's one of the Phillies! Delivery bell is another crack to it. As you mentioned about that deep left. And he rang this one right into the first level. Amazing stuff from Trey Turner. I'll be playing his day, my friend. I know we talked about it, and I'm trying not to hit these buttons too much, but Turner, Harper, uh, Castellanos, how do you get these primetime players out? Do you understand? With swings like that, Merrill Kelly got bit with a fastball down the middle. That's why these guys make the big bucks. And now you got Bryce Harper, who has to look at one in on the foot. But, I mean, that's about as grand of a cut as you can get, and that's right down the middle. That's a mistake. Oh, yeah, you mentioned Trey Turner, and he can hit dingers for days when he sees balls roll like those. Same thing with Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, who has had a home run in every of the last three games that he has played, at least two. Well, he had two each in games three and four against Atlanta. Yes, he did, and when he was asked in the postgame side, he goes, are you made to play for Philly? And he goes, yeah, 
I'll clean up the comment, but he goes, yeah, I have with Philly. I like Philly. You know, he, he's very candid about uh, his interviews, Nick Castellanos, but he does not lack confidence. Bryce Harper's got a 3-0 count. We'll see if he wants to get nasty here or if this is going to be a pretty much unintentional, intentional walk. And Harper is going to get his walk, so that will leave it up to Alec Bohm. I remember in a previous game when one of these two teams between Atlanta and Arizona, they decided to intentionally walk Bryce Harper to get Alec Bohm right in and giving the Phillies perhaps less of a chance to get a bat because Alec Bohm, before this series, the only run that he, the only hit that he has had was the first pitch that he saw in game two against Atlanta. Now, Alec Bohm last year in the postseason was able to perk up a little bit, so if they can get any more extension of that, I mean, my goodness, for what this lineup's already doing, that puts them even more in the driver's seat. Really good pitch for Kelly there as he gets the fastball in the bottom corner. I mean, just right inside the line. And normally when those balls get delivered right inside the line, it would catch these throwers. It would catch all these, whoa, it would catch these batters guessing. Yes, it would. You want to try to get one of those worm burners, they call it. Get a ball on the ground, try to turn a double play. That's what Kelly's looking for right now. Again, when it was uh, Team USA versus Team Japan, and Miro Kelly was part of it, he was very hittable. And again, this lineup is pretty close as far as you get a throw over, and Bryce Harper gets back. But again, when I talk about Team USA and I talk about the Phillies, the reason I bring that up is because you had... Trey Turner, you had JT Realmuto and Kyle Schwarber on Team USA side, so majority of the Phillies are on that side as Bryce Harper does just get back. And just right back, he was inches away from getting tagged out. I mean, just mere inches. So Boom now will wait on the 1-1, and this is a fastball into center field. Carroll! Makes, or Thomas, excuse me, makes the catch at the wall just before it, and Boehm almost was able to get a home run just after the Harper walk. That was so close. It was going to the warning track. <clears throat> it looked like it had the distance, and it did have the distance when it was on its way. Alec Thomas, though, saw it, and there's no sunlight to obstruct his vision. Because I remember yesterday... There was some sunlight in the direction of Kyle Tucker when trying to chase after ball. He caught it and made sure of that. Yeah, thankfully there are no element situation, no rain or anything else like that, especially in this NLCS we're going to be playing in. Philadelphia is not a dome, but everywhere else that we go will be, so there should not be any weather elements on that to speak of, especially in a night game like this. Bryson Stott, 208. One home run and seven RBI in the postseason. It does help. You got JT Romuto and Nick Castellanos up next. And Stott does get a good hack at it, but he puts it down the right field line foul. You mentioned about the elements. I remember about that 17 minute rain delay in perhaps the greatest World Series ever played, you think of seven years ago. And among these four baseball stadiums left, Citizens Bank Park is the only one that does not have a roof. Yeah, nothing to be close. Harper's going to take off, and Stott will follow this one back. So good to see Bryce Harper run a little bit because he does have some speed. And when you think about JT Realmuto coming up next, he's a catcher that averages about 25 bags, but he's got 16 this year. I know Realmuto's turning 32 now, but they wanted to run less, but Harper can still uh, use his feet. 
constantly steal spaces with his legs. Yes, and I mean, look at it. We just talked about a Bryce Harper. He was able to get back barely on one, and they throw over again. So they use two disengagements on Bryce, so they know they're thinking he might go. 0-2. Bryce and Stott. This is a fastball way outside the zone, trying to look to get him to chase. But we'll do it again. Oh, perhaps Bryce Harper, if we think about it, <laughs> I'm going to stop. We'll see what's ahead of me now. I'm intrigued. As it's uh, Bryson Stott, he'll throw it across, and it should be a dead duck here at second. Harper's out, Kelly gets out of it. A little bit of a bailout there, but the Phillies do get one run. It was a Turner bomb. Maybe they could have had more, but they'll take it. After one, Phillies up. Kind of pains me about the Alec Bohm missed home run, because it looked like it had the distance back then. And now when you think of that, if it weren't for that stone base, if it weren't for that, not, uh, if it weren't for the bomb hits getting more on the distance, the Phillies would be up two nothing now, and they have two outs by this point, and it will still be the first inning. Yeah. And now we'll have the Diamondbacks back at the bats. Yeah, we'll have to see if the stolen base again looms large again. Sometimes you hit the ball hard, things happen. You talk about it with Nick Castellanos against the Braves, and when getting doubled up, and then the Braves made a big stink about it with Orlando Arcia. That didn't work out very well. <laughs> no, it didn't. Especially you consider the Braves, it's perhaps the best pitcher in the NL is Spencer Strider, and not to mention about Max Free being quality number two. But 10 times out of 10, you don't win a series when your number three gets smoked to the tune of 10 runs in a game. Yeah, it was not good pitching there for the Braves on that side, for Spencer Strider and everyone else. I know you got voice lessons and stuff and classes for uh, tomorrow, so I don't want to push you. But if you do want to go uh, inning by inning and switch off, we can definitely do that on the play-by-play, -play, or if not, I can take it. Perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> no, that's fine. So I can... Uh, I'll throw all these in there, I'll work the uh, innings, and if you want to take an inning or whatever else, you just let me know on this side, because I'll be here for today. Tomorrow I know you got class, and then I have uh, Saturday on location assignment, and then Sunday I think I'll double up with the Flames and the Red Wings. I'll probably be on my own for that one. Usually I cover that with Cooper, but those that game's at like 5 p.m., two, two uh, for him on the California side, so that'll probably be tough, but I'll get that done. As far as uh, next week, I think you and I will be fine as far as all the stuff we're going to do. So when we get to the World Series, I plan on pretty much doing all those games with you. I might miss maybe one or two, but uh, we're going to be going to the World Series, and I'll take a break from the NHL for a bit. Let me have you covered for Thursday, in that sense, between the Rangers and Astros. So I got you covered on that front. If it goes to a game five, and that means if because they have marked it if necessary, right. and I think it may be, then Friday I may get you covered there. All right, so we'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage here for the ALCS and NLCS for the most part because I will need at least a day to get prep assignment for Saturday. So Alec, Daddy and Zer Alec will have the call for us on uh, Twitter Spaces side of it, and I'll try to give the game stories across, and I'll give him a shout-out across, but so everybody knows. Again, he's got a lot more followers than I do, but make sure you give everybody a listen, because they have good uh, commentary and everything else across, wherever it gets brought in. But 
Gabriel Moreno. I have to think that he should still be a former Blue Jay. I don't know about that Dalton Varsho trade, but Moreno's now a member of the Diamondbacks, and I think he's going to be so for a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. With the Dalton Varsho, you may have nailed it. I just don't think that made much sense. And now for the Blue Jays being eliminated, you get it every year that passes. As Moreno blasts one down the third baseline. Ball dives, throws out. What a defensive play. <laughs> you, you think of the Diamondbacks and their defense of Evan Longoria being a defensive thing. Um, Alan Boehm says, allow me to introduce myself. So, anything that Longoria can do, Boehm can for sure do that too. Nothing wrong with what Moreno did. He hits it right at the hot quarter. He's hustling down that first base line, but casual pickup throw. He knew how much time he had. Bounced it to Harper. That is gorgeous defense. Gorgeous indeed. I can see. I can look at this on replay every day and say, "My goodness, it doesn't get any prettier than that with those diving catches." No. And when you think about it on the other side, the reason why I mentioned the Blue Jays back-to-back -back formers, now you got Lourdes Gurriel Jr., 261-24 bombs, 82 RBI in the regular season. He's definitely a guy that can play the corner outfield as a curveball way inside and make it 2-0. So the younger brother of Yuli Gurriel at the bat, and you mentioned about Lourdes Gurriel and him and his 24 home runs in the regular season with his 261 batting average. He can send those dingers out when reliable, though. He's going up against a stacked Phillies team. Yes, he is. And Nola, if he can do a little bit like Wheeler, let's say he goes six and he give up maybe two or less. I understand that didn't work for JV in game one, but I think the Houston Astros would definitely take six and two or less. So if you got Nola on this up for the Phillies, it's kind of the same deal because you know the closers and everybody else in the back end are going to finish the job, so 93, way outside the zone, make it 3-1. And, and you mentioned Verlander, even though the Astros lost game one, Verlander did everything right in that yeah. game, only giving up two runs, and that was it, those were the only runs of that game, he was doing everything right, was limiting the bullpen to just, say, two guys, right, our own Edgar Neves. Right. And that's what you have to do, because if it was from or Valdez from last year, you'd think there'd be no problem, but Valdez does not look the same, and now with the Astros down 2-0, I mean, you're really looking at a situation where you got to win, what, four of the next six games against a Texas team? I, I don't see that happening. I don't see the Astros getting swept either, but we'll see. 3-2, full count pitch. Does Gurriel try to get himself in the driver's seat and get on base? And a good curveball had Gurriel out in front. It was a strike, but he went too quickly. That's why the curveball is the most difficult pitch to hit. And that time, you can either swing too early because it is perhaps the slowest pitch to be thrown. And in other cases, it may curve downwards and you think it may be going to the middle. That's why it's the most dangerous pitch in baseball. Yes, it is, and that's why we talk about Nola being an expert pitcher, that he can lock in in the zones and use all of his pitches and throw them for strikes. When you top out at 93-94, that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you mix in your curveball from 75 to 78, that makes things very difficult, especially when you can locate it for strikes. So Alec Thomas batting 190 in the postseason, but he did already make a sparkling catch 
as it's one and one. Do you may think that Alan Thomas may get things around on offense, especially with the defense that he brings, to be a valuable two-way a guy on the Diamondbacks, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get anywhere now as this he, he grounds it out to second. It's an easy inning for Nola. Still one nothing, and now you have, I'm not going to say the meat of the order, but you do have JT Realmuto and Nick Castellanos and Brandon Marsh, 6-7-8. You can tell me during the commercial break if there are e any easy outs in this Phillies lineup. Well, with this Phillies lineup, I don't think there really is any considering the batting order. You look at Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos. JT Ramuto, Bryce Harper, Brandon Marsh, they're all batting at least 250 or better with every one of these except for Ramuto, they're all batting at least 350. That's a very dangerous lineup in this postseason and they've been hitting their stride. Yeah, their they're depth, they're stacked. We talked about the back end bullpen. I got some names in front of me that we may or may not see, but you saw some of them yesterday. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Gregory Soto, the former Tigers closer, and Keg Kimbrell, who did finish that one out. So, again, most of the back end for the Phillies are all closers on former teams. So, when most teams only have maybe one or two, the Phillies have about four or five. And that makes the Phillies lineup so dangerous because you look at guys who usually have two closers, the Phillies have a lead bullpen that's full of closers. Because if you remember, about all, all the times that we cover different MLB teams, normally the Mariners on that part in the regular season, the first two guys that normally came to mind are Andres Munoz and the guy who's now in Arizona, Paul Sewell. Yeah. Isaiah Campbell has been promoted to backup closer to Munoz after Sewell got traded away to Arizona. But now the Phillies, you got closers left and right between Craig Kimbrell and the guy who got the series-winning save in Game 4 against Atlanta, Matt Strom. And you mentioned Gregory Soto, Anthony Dominguez. They're also dangerous, too. Yeah, I think this is a team that, again, they still have to get ahead of this between the Diamondbacks, so I won't get too far ahead of myself. And Texas is definitely going to be an offensive uh, juggernaut. But again, both these teams will be fun to watch if that's what the World Series is going to be. But we know the Phillies made it there last year. We know the Astros took them out. But it certainly seemed like in the offseason, especially from the onset of the lineup that we're looking at, that Dave Dombrowski, Rob Thompson, again, Rob Thompson's been a great manager. Everyone else is kind of locked in. But they looked at their weaknesses. They've addressed those. They've added more depth. They added more depth in the bullpen side. I really see the Phillies as the best team that's left. No disrespect to Texas, because I know that their bullpen's been hot now but it was not hot during the year. So that is just me. I would take the Phillies 1, Texas 2, the Astros 3, and the Diamondbacks 4. But for the Diamondbacks, getting a sweep of the L.A. Dodgers, that is no easy feat. It is not. Though I wonder about the Dodgers and the lack of the pitching staff because <clears throat> compared to the start of the regular season, they only had one starting pitchers that was left to start the regular season just as we have a pop-out here. And that long starter was Clayton Kershaw, and he got dumped in one inning. 
Yes, he did, as Alec Thomas makes the catch, and a slight correction on my part. Because Bryce got tossed out, it was Bryson Stott that leads off, and now we're going to get to Real Muto and Castellano. So my apologies on that side. But, uh, yeah, I, get, I know some people will short-sight and say, is Clayton Kershaw still a Hall of Famer? No doubt he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer. Sometimes you have some rough games. I mean, look, Justin Verlander's been tagged in the World Series several times. He just got one of his few wins last year on that end. You Sometimes you get you know, tagged in a game one, you get tagged in a World Series. But make no mistake about it, for Clayton Kershaw, I'll just throw this out there, for everything that he did this year, and even at his advanced age, he's every one of the big reasons why the Dodgers got into the postseason. He, he is definitely one of the big reasons why they got there. Still being ever so reliable, even though his fastball is not what it once was, he can still pitch some quality games. Evan Longoria, not quite the play of Alec Bohm, but again, Longoria, I remember him a long time with the Tampa Bay Rays, but pretty solid defense for the 38-year-old. And still going at 38 years old between Arizona, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco, his other team that he played for has been the past five years or so. So Nick Castellanos, I think the swag game, I don't normally use that word, but I have to use it now, is at 100% right now as he rocks the open collar and that gold chain. I don't think anybody is more confident than Castellanos is as this fastball is outside the zone, make it 2-0. and I mean, you speak of confidence and you mix in Nick Castellanos into that sentence. How else can you explain Five home runs in your last three games. That reeks of amazing confidence. Well, see if he can make it six in four games. Ooh, a 2-0 pitch that he took for a strike. It wasn't right down the middle, but he was trying to just size up Merrill Kelly here, and we'll see what he'll do on pitch 25 for Merrill. It's very important that he limits the damage, but in the driver's seat is Castellanos, and he takes the curveball down and out. It's 3-1. Uh, and one. So sometimes when you look at those curveballs or change-ups, because that time it was a change-up, you have to pitch those at the correct spots, say through the center. Sometimes your curveballs, they can go up, and then they can go below the zone. Other times they can go up above the zone initially and then go to center. Yes. That's what makes it dangerous. Yeah, you got to watch that movement. You have to make sure you don't hang these pitches like Alec was just mentioned on that end because Castellanos can take it deep. That previous pitch was a ball, and that was hammered down the right field line foul. It's a full count. Castellanos is prone to strikeouts. This one will be put to the left field line. And for Castellanos, again, I'll just scroll down here in the notes. In the regular season, 185 strikeouts, but yet still hit 272. He was a guy when he was in Detroit, regularly hits over 300. He didn't have the same type of home runs because Comerica Park, a little less uh, friendly than the Philadelphia Phillies ballpark and Citizens Bank is. But we'll do this again at 3-2 as Castellanos digs back in. This one in on the hands, this will get him out to the right field side as Corbin Carroll will camp underneath it and the Phillies go quietly. So after two, it's one nothing Philadelphia. He wanted that. I can tell you by the look of his face, he wanted that home run. Looking to make it six home runs in four games. And it would have been amazing to see that because he's the first player ever for Philadelphia to have 
two home runs in back-to-back games, an outstanding accomplishment. Yeah, it's really incredible, honestly. I mean, I understand some ballparks, that kind of is a home run field of your swing. You, know, you can get it to right field, you can get it to left field. Phillies are one of those ballparks. The Yankees have always been one of those ballparks, but still. He is in the zone. Trey Turner is. Bryce Harper is. They have the pitching that we mentioned. That's what makes it very difficult. Again, during this commercial break, I'm just going to keep an eye on some of the NHL scores. And no doubt, I think we can make the joke here, Alec, but the Edmonton Oilers are happy. They don't have to play the Canucks. They're up 3 nothing on the Predators. You know, I have this feeling of me about the Vancouver Canucks perhaps being a reinvigorated team with Rick Tockett. They're now getting their penalty kill percentage well improved, and they're emphasizing that throughout the offseason, adding defensive guys. And that's what a Tockett-led system would want when you have guys like Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, Pierce Suter, Teddy Bluger, all defensive-minded guys, and Suter and Bluger, they're defensive-minded forwards. Yeah, I think that's well said by you. Again, they're dealing with some injuries. Again, they don't really have a top pairing, middle pairing kind of set. They have great players like Quinn Hughes and things like that. You know they're locked in, but they're still going to be figuring some things out. But make no mistake about it, to get those openers home and away against the Oilers and score the way that they did, we already knew that they could score, but if they start to lock down and you get a healthy Thatcher Demko across the board, you can't sleep on the Canucks, so it's very important that they get off to a good start and continue the momentum. I know Cooper said that he has the Canucks making the play in playoffs. Yes. And I'm not going to disagree with his decision, but I see it as realistic with the way the Canucks have been playing against the Oilers. And even though they're losing 2 nothing to the Flyers, I'm not going to use it, hold this loss against them. There's still 79 more games to go for yeah. Vancouver, so there's still time to keep up how they have been against Edmonton and do it on the 30 other NHL teams. Once we get back to another commercial break, I do have a burning question that I want to throw on the hockey side. We'll flip this back in. Again, I'll work through the play-by-play -play stuff until uh, Alec wants to move otherwise. If not, I'll cover the whole game and he'll back me up. Again, I'll be back for tomorrow's side and then it'll be a couple days break before I see you back on Sunday for the uh, local assignment here. But we will check back in to the top of the third in this fast-moving game. Aaron Nola back out on the mound as he gets a 93-mile-an-hour strike and a fastball against Evan Longoria. Longoria is more known for defense. Here he's on offense, looking to swing and hit some um, dangers out of the park. But as we've seen from here, one run, four hits. He's batting at exactly 200. as two RBIs, no home runs. Has reached bases five total times, so he's more known on that defensive side. Yeah, from what I've noticed, especially from the Tampa side, I didn't see him a lot in the San Francisco Giants. But on the Tampa side, he was a guy that was more for averages not strike out. Again, his strikeout numbers in regular season are low at 73, but that 223 was normally a 262-70s. Hit a little bit more home runs later in his career, going for that launch angle. And this one, he's going to go sit down and grab some pie. 93 down the middle, and Nola punches him out. As we've seen with Longoria, he's hit just 11 home runs in the regular season. So that's seven ahead of Emmanuel Rivera, who's not on the lineup right now. 
but Longoria at that time, he took a chance on it. He was looking at that. Perhaps it was a little late or early. Mistimed it either way, and he's going to have to think about his swinging. So, Geraldo Perdomo, this will be a guy that I'll look at as far as the stats. I see him at 23 years of age. A switch hitter playing shortstop, 246, six bombs, 47 RBI. Again, in the postseason, numbers are a little bit lower. Again, as a young kid going in the postseason, you understand you got to learn what that takes against top-tier pitching. And he gets the call, doesn't want a curveball. That was a little low. Make it one and one. Well, it seems for every young guy the Diamondbacks have, the Phillies may have several more of those. You mentioned about key players. Johan Rojas has been relied on in key situations. So is Orion Kirkery. And the Phillies, they know how to get their young players involved in, this, in such key situations. Yeah, to the point, counterpoint, I think that was perfect, Della, because on this side, when you think about the young players for the Diamondbacks, yeah, it's a feel-good story, and the Phillies just say, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> just as the pop-out. So this will bring back up Corbin Carroll. And again, the boobs are going to rain down, but I think that's only because you know how talented this guy is that Phillies will keep everything on standby because he can definitely take a deep two. As this is a big cut by Carroll, but he can't get the change up. And this was going to the right of the zone, and perhaps it was the bad decision to take a chance on that ball because it was going just to the right of the zone at the bottom right. It's a high risk, but even if you hit it at the right spot, that's high reward. Phillies, you don't have to provide as much power when you're in Citizens Bank, so. Corbin Carroll, if he can slash one down the line, he can definitely do damage, and that is a perfect sinker. Right in near the black, it tied up Carroll, make it 0-2. That's how Carroll had to take a chance on that, did not, as this was going a through left, up top, upper left corner. 0-2, <laughs> curveball. This is nicely played by Harper. Can they get there in time and cover the bag? Nola does his job. Sparkling defense again for the Phillies. This time it was Harper. And you mentioned about him being on first base, even though it's not his usual spot. He's been very effective on that first base spot when called upon. Just remember, they don't have Reese Hoskins right now. And with him on the 68 injured list, that put Harper at first base, and he has answered a call there. Yeah, it makes me wonder, and I'm not going to say anybody's going to take Reese Hoskins' spot. Definitely a major league player, but from the plays that Harper's made from since moving over to first, I mean, he feels pretty natural at that spot. And it feels so. Now consider Hoskins is a free agent this offseason. There are going teams that are going for him and his services here. Say, one team that could use his services, my Pirates. I mean... Take him from one side Pennsylvania to the other side Pennsylvania to go in that first base hole because we trade away Carlos Santana to Milwaukee during the season. I think that's definitely a good call by you on that side because look, nobody's not going to say that Reese Hoskins isn't good enough. The Phillies would love to have him, but if Harper's going to play this good at first, again, there's no salary cap in baseball, but there's definitely tax. That's money you can go ahead and throw somewhere else as you continue to build your team. Just all things considered. I do have to ask you this during the commercial break, though, but I'm looking at the score line. I see the Sabres are up 2 nothing on the Lightning. I know the Red Wings got a victory over the Lightning, and they had to go with the uh, back-to-back with Ottawa's side, and it's tough. 
But the one thing, you mentioned this last year, I'm doubling down on it now. I think the Lightning have some defensive troubles. I'm not even talking about Jonas Johansson. I'm talking about the defensive side. It hasn't looked very good to start the year. I mean, this wasn't something that I've noted dating back to the tail end of last year. Yes. I mean, you have the defensive core, and your top defensive guys are Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, and Eric Chernak. And you bring in Calvin DeHaan, who has looked not at the part, well, not as good as what Ryan McDonough brought in during the cup-winning years. I know you got Ian Cole last year as a stopgap defensive defenseman, and then Calvin DeHaan. It feels like the cap crunch is catching up to Tampa by this point with the pay cuts that they have to make to yeah. get lower-cost defensive defensemen. Now you have the other two guys, Nick Pervix and Darren Radish, who started getting, they started getting play time last year. Yeah, again, it, you, you said it perfectly. It's all about the cap crunch. Again, you have the three straight runs of the finals before all the stuff in the last year with Toronto. Make no mistake about it. No, we're not going to argue that Tampa isn't a good team, but you're starting to see the holes. And I think the team that was in the back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals, I think Tampa is on the downturn. I don't think that they're not a playoff team, but I don't think we're going to see the same dominance that we used to see. I don't think so either. feels like they capitalized on their cup window, yeah. and I think that window is starting to close with how the team is looking. I think that's exactly where I'm going to be too on that, but I had to ask you. As it's Brandon Marsh, it'll be 8-9-1 and one due up here in this fast-moving bottom of the third. Look, Merrill Kelly's done the job so far right now. Again, he's only given up one. As this goes down third baseline, it's playable for Longoria. One up and one down. You look at the Diamondbacks who have made two comeback wins this postseason and with Tori Lovolo getting interviewed by Matt Weiner of TBS and for sure the Diamondbacks, they know how to come back when needed. You look at those games with the Milwaukee Brewers. They tried doing this again last night, but it wasn't enough just getting free runs because the Phillies were fighting nothing. And look, we talk about it even in the... Uh... The wild card portion of it, it's not like the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're going to show bunt, this one goes foul, but it, it's not like the Arizona Diamondbacks didn't have to go through some tough pitching. Yeah, Woodruff got injured, but she still had to go through uh, some of the stuff on the Milwaukee Brewers that was uh, not easy at all. No, especially you consider Corbin Burns right. as the starter and, and the guy of the relief bullpen from Milwaukee. Even a closer, Devin Williams. I think you had Peralta mixed in there as well. I didn't want to blank on some of the names. I'm glad that you picked me up on that side. But yeah, with Devin Williams in the back end bullpen, I mean, these are the elite of the elite. Diamondbacks were able to do that. They were able to put a big number against Kershaw. And then now you have to go against Wheeler and Nola. I mean, they've gone through the pitching grinder, so to speak as this goes all the way foul for Rojas. But, again, Diamondbacks, as far as what they've had to face, I don't think it's any harder than that. It, it doesn't get any harder than that. With the with the Brewers, you got that nice lineup led by Christian Yelich, who has had a nice bounce-back season. Yeah. And their pitching has been really good thus far. The Dodgers, on the other hand, good talent at bats, not so much at the at the mound. Yes, I would completely agree with that on that side. Again, after 
Kershaw kind of drops off a little bit, and that's what you end up seeing. As this is a good pitch for Kelly, and Rojas will go sit down, and the sinker just caught the bottom of the zone. I know Johan Rojas has been relied upon in this lineup for the Phillies, though he's been seen more on defense rather than offense throughout this postseason run for Philadelphia. And even though he's, his batting numbers haven't been on par with how his defensive play has been, he still got himself a bright future ahead of with Philadelphia. Yes, he does. I'm just going to look and, and uh, jump off the point you just made in the sense of it. It was 54 games in the regular season. He hit 302, so that was a hell of a call-up. But now I just updated he's two for his last 26 with 10 strikeouts. So he's certainly going through it right now. And speaking of that possibility, they got Kyle Schwarber! He smashes into the right field line! Gone! Two-nothing Phillies! We may be seeing everything unfold here in Philadelphia. We may be seeing the road that is being paved. Asphalt, concrete, <laughs> you name it, on the road to... I'm not going to go ahead of myself, but if they keep this up, they may be World Series bound with how they're playing. Another short bomb to right field. Look, I don't care that he hits 197. When he had the 47 bombs and there goes his 104 RBI... 215 strikeouts, 126 walks. You make something happen. That's what Schwarber does. And he does it again. And now you have a threat of a back-to-back -back possibility in Trey Turner, who already went deep. I mean, you know, these top two guys for Philadelphia already going deep. Now we just wait and see for the top three guys going deep. <laughs> right. Because Philadelphia will love to see that happen and have another crack to the Liberty Bell. Sinker on that side was a ball, but it was called a strike as Schwarber again. You get a chance to look at his swings on the TBS side. I mean, that had, again, Merrill Kelly on the two home runs. Those are hanging pitches right in the middle of the zone, and that's where they go. They go out the ballpark as a 90-mile-an-hour changer by Turner way out in front, make it one and two. Just remember, the Phillies gave Zach Gowan all sorts of nightmares in game. More of how he's, his balls are being blasted left and right, center. I mean, you can name any sort of pitch, and the Phillies, they, they were going to hit that right into the seats. Yeah, and again, I don't want to get, uh, we've done a good job of not getting ahead of ourselves, but I think it's fair to say that Zach Gallen is a better pitcher than Miro Kelly is. Although Kelly has been hanging in there right now. But if the Phillies, let's say they get another three runs here and Arizona goes down by like five or more, I mean, I don't see any way they come back against the back end bullpen that we talked about. I wouldn't think so either because that bullpen for Philadelphia is so dangerous as we have discussed. So, you have some danger on the base paths now because when you think about Trey Turner, I'm not going to say they don't ask him to run as much anymore because he's got all the home runs, but he's still got 30 stolen bases on the year, and you have Bryce Harper on deck. So, good luck to you, Mr. Merrill Kelly. <laughs> I mean, this is a dangerous spot, too. <clears throat> These two former Washington Nationals, they can do damage here on the infield and at the bats. Trey turned over his legs with the stolen bases. When he sees a wild pitch, he's just going to take off and run. Schorber is uh, feeling the rock vibes right now, and so is the rest of the crowd. As 
Everybody's waving the towels at Citizens Bank Park. You know what could potentially happen here. Again, it bears repeating 409 in the postseason with four bombs and seven RBI for Bryce Harper. Perhaps one of the leading candidates for World Series MVP if he keeps this toy up. Definitely right now for NLCS MVP, but yes, for World Series especially, because you think about that's where they could be. 92 miles an hour in the cutter. It's inside. It's 1-0 against Bryce. Again, I, I understand superstar players. That's where I put him in there, because he's won an NL MVP before. But to make the transition from right to first and do it so seamlessly, that's a big credit to Bryce. Here is a 89. A changeup. Left field line. Is this one going to go? Near the wall, makes the catch. Bryce Harper just missed it. But at the end of three, a short bomb makes it 2-0. That would have been even sweeter for Philadelphia had that went to the stands. And then again, it almost had the distance. It was, so close. It was that close to a 4 nothing ball game. I mean, so close to that happening. So the Diamondbacks fans can breathe a sigh of relief. This game is not out of the stretch of any imagination here. It's only a 2-0 lead, but as Alec just mentioned, could be a little bit more. Arizona's still within striking distance. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I think this fourth inning, even though you get 27 outs, I think this fourth inning for Arizona is a must-answer. Get yourself on the scoreboard, scratch a run across, and get back into it. You're not out of it, as the score says, but I think you need to bounce in because Philadelphia has gotten pretty close on some of these at-bats. And they have. So close. They, they could have tasted it. And that last time for Bryce Harper, just short of the stands. And so close for one lucky fan to take that home. So Cattell Marte... Tommy Pham and Christian Walker will be due up here when we get to the top of the fourth. Again, as we mentioned, both wild card teams able to get in. Philadelphia 90 and 72. Arizona 84 and 78. And I'll just make the mention of it now, just in case the NLCS doesn't turn back around by the time I can cover it again. If this will be the end for Arizona. There is no shame in anything that they did in this postseason. They've been brilliant, and when I think about it over the last couple of seasons, Cattell Marte was forced to play in the outfield because he just didn't have any players. And now when you look at it, between Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker's been good, you get Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel. This team's in a much better spot than it was a couple seasons ago. I mean, I remember not too long ago when they had just 50-something wins. That was two years ago. Now they came all the way to the AL, to the NOCS up against the Philadelphia Phillies, and they can build on this season of success going down to the line. And perhaps you can argue Paul Sewell in that trade with the Seattle Mariners. Right. That may be the last piece that the Diamondbacks needed to fully complete the lineup. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call on the back end side of it. For me, I'd, I'd like to see couple starters, something added here in the offseason for Arizona as they continue to prove. But, again, we talk about Alec Thomas. I know he's struggling a little bit now. He's still a young player learning to figure out that speed. Look, Corbin Carroll's still a really young player, but Corbin Carroll might have that superstar moniker. He really is that good. He has been. Perhaps the NL Rookie of the Year, if he were to 
finish this season on a high note. So this will be an opportunity, as we said, with Cattell Marte, the switch hitter. So you got Marte, Pham, and Walker in the top of the fourth. I call this a little bit of a must answer here. We'll see what they can do against Nola. We talked about his postseason ERA last year was 491. He's about 130 right now as far as the ERA within about 12 and a half. Make that about 15 in the third now. As this is a one and one swing and miss for Marte. So Marte and the Diamondbacks <clears throat> offense, as we say, they're going right back, taking the plate, going up against Aaron Nola. So far, Nola has been having his advantage all over the Diamondbacks, picking up where Zach Weir left off. Yeah, and again, I will uh, just throw this back out there, topping out about 93-94, but his placement of all five of his pitches, it's been around it. It's tried to entice the hitters to get them to reach for it and make them uncomfortable. We'll see what Marte can do with a 2-1. and one. That's a curveball, and that's a good swing for Marte. Slashes it right back up the middle and gets a base hit. Right up through the middle, right over the heads. And that, that ball had no chance to be caught in the infield. Not at all. So I know Matt Weiner from the NBA side. He's interviewing Rob Thompson. And for Rob Thompson, this is two straight NLCS opportunities. We understand the team that he's got with him, but most managers don't do this. And the Philadelphia Phillies have only trailed for two innings in this postseason. That's ridiculous. I'll tell you, John, it's, it's only been two seasons with the, with the Phillies, but can we already regard Rob Thompson as perhaps the best manager in the NO? You know what? I'm not even going to argue with you on that side. I think he's made a tremendous impact to this team. I understand belief in players and all of that, but they've kind of embodied Rob Thompson to me. And they believe in his system. They fully believe in his ideals. And they've completely bought into him as their manager. I, I think that's very well said. I'm going to completely agree with you on that. I'm jumping on the bandwagon as they're showing uh, Kevin Wong. Again, I was already on the bandwagon last year. How could you not be? But you just you address the weaknesses, you get another year to move on, and it really helps when you get players like Trey Turner in the offseason, 2-0, as a disengagement will be used against Marte, but he makes it back. The disengagement of Marte, as with Marte, you have Marte, you think of Cattell Marte, <laughs> I, I, I said his last name so many times to count, though he has only eight stolen bases, but sometimes he can get it out and use those legs. He can catch you by surprise. He can do a little bit of everything. He's not an outstanding defender, but he does have decent speed. He's a good batter. He can hit both sides of the plate. He's just a solid overall player. I think you got Noelvi Marte, the younger brother on that side. You had Starling Marte. You got good bloodlines on that end. 2-1-1. Fam follows this down the left field line. Make it 2-2. Two two. Starling Marte. And with Tommy Pham going from Starling to Cattell, of course, the connection runs strong. It does. It helps when you play with really good players. You already know what you're going to get between the both. We'll see what Tommy Pham can do here, too, and two as the towels wave. You got Martana first. Pham does not offer, but it is a full count. So we will see if Marte will be on the run should this want to be entertained. But Christian Walker is waiting in that batter's box. And the most dangerous hitter, perhaps, for Arizona. You can make an argument for that between him, Marte, Carroll, and Guriel. 
any one of them, you'd not be wrong. No, absolutely. Again, Arizona's got plenty of good players just like the Phillies do, but it's about the pitching this time of year. That's what we're wondering. Got to come through here in a clutch spot, though. Full count pitch. And Pham, he gets a pitch. A little bit in front of that change up there, but he stays alive. All right, then. So 43 pitches into Nola's day. He's been unblemished right now. Again, it's not immediate danger, but you do have Cattell Marte at first. And we will do this full count pitch for a second time as some of the fans are starting to stand. They mention this a lot in Philadelphia. They do not like to sit. It's 3-2. Curveball. Another play for Bohm. It gets to his feet. They get the lead runner at second. But Alec Bohm, he has certainly showcased himself right now. There's two diving catches on the night for Bohm. And then this time, I, this time around, it was a fielder's choice, as opposed to the diving catch out of Longoria that we saw against the Dodgers. And this time, it was a fielder's choice that tossed out Marte. He can catch other teams by surprise with his legs. This time, he, he was all so close to second base. Got to be completely honest, but when I see Bohm on the third base side now, he does have the range. He just looks smooth. I mean, that was not a easy play. He had to pretty much jump to get that hop, be able to throw over and get the lead runner, and he did so pretty seamlessly. So Christian Walker, oh man, he was late on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, but he only had one thing on his mind there. And that is to hit it right into the stats. He took a chance on it. You got to time those correctly. Don't want to be too early. Don't want to be too late. So 93, as we talked about, again, doesn't sound like a lot, but he's mixed in beautifully. Nola. This is a little bit of a fastball, just high, and make it one and one. Does Christian Walker come through here? That's the grand question. 258 average, but 103 RBI. He's 12th in home runs this year with 33. So middle of the order bat that does a lot of damage against a really good pitcher. He does. And Christian Walker, he's known for these situations when it comes to... Getting the offense running here among the desert snakes. That's, I like that one. Again, when you think about Christian Walker, and we talk about on the other side for the Phillies, you could talk about Turner, Harper, Real Muto, Schorber. You're really talking about just Walker on this side. He's got to come through. And this is a strike on a sinker on the outside black. Perfect pitch, and Walker is gone. When you look at this pitch being thrown along top left and Christian Walker being left with a quick decision where to swing or not. This was inside the zone. He says, um, is this going outside? Oh, that is inside. I should have swung this one. I think that's what he's thinking in his mind. You could definitely tell with the uh, facial expression rocking the head back and a little bit of exasperation as they will get linked up here between Real Muto and Nola and maybe call out the signs in the pitch comm. Again, Moreno was absolutely robbed by Bohm the last time that they were up. He hit it hard in third base side, but the dive and throw over got Moreno out. If he can get another hard hit ball here, that'll keep the inning alive. Perhaps a response on the Bryce Harper short home run. And that was just just mere feet away from being right into the stands when Lourdes Gurriel spotted it. 
We'll have to see here, but you're right. I mean, you need to have the answer. Again, I'm talking about this in a big way. I understand what the score line is, and we're just in the fourth, but how many opportunities are you going to have against an elite starting pitcher? Cole Hamill's jersey, I like that one, with Cliff Lee. Again, that's a nod to when they won the World Series several years ago. Moreno, he's going to slash one down the left field line. That's a good hit as Marsh has to play it on a hop. And then we had to because if that kept rolling, you can argue that that Pham would be going to third, and Moreno would get at least a double on this play, and Pham would either be going to third or is that would be at home plate by now to cut this lead in half. But so far as runners at first and second, so Philadelphia can breathe a little easier, but still uneasy. That was a really good first two plate appearances for the 23-year-old catcher. Again, I mentioned the Blue Jays for a reason, but I think that's going to be a void for several years. But not for Arizona. They're happy with that. Florida Scurriel, as he's got the camo Evo Shield arm sleeve. That's a good look there, too. He's trying to come through in a big spot. Runners first and second with two outs. Puts it to Trey Turner, and an easy toss over to Stott. And the Diamondbacks are turned away. Nola gets out of a mini jam. It's still 2-0 as we go to the bottom fourth. Now they can breathe easy, knowing <laughs> about the play by Brandon Marsh. And then followed up with Trey Turner making that short toss to Bryson Stott to end the top of the fourth. And, and so Philadelphia can expand on this 2-0 lead. Boom, Stott, Realmuto. So we do have one final to talk about in the NHL side, and again, Alec already touched on it, but the Flyers, and I want to make sure it is Carter Hart, they do get the shutout of the Canucks 2-0. So it was Carter Hart stopping 25 out of 25, and Thatcher Demko, man, he was brilliant, but he didn't get any help today on offense. 40 out of 42 as they take a 2-0 loss. Sean Couturier scores on a penalty shot. And Igor Zamala opened the scoring at 145 of the first. I mean, Philadelphia, they may be making a point of emphasis on their rebuild now that they're giving Igor Zamola opportunities. And with Tyson Forrester on the lineup full-time, I was intrigued about Forrester to close off last season because he did have eight points in seven games, if I remember, and now he's in the full-time lineup getting looks at the top nine. He's at the first line now. And it's good of Philadelphia to give him looks at the first line because he was their top prospect before Matvey Michkov came along. Yeah, and again, we'll see what happens with Michkov over several years. He's not going to be here right away. When you think about some of those rookies and what you want to watch, again, everybody's going to talk about Bedard, and I understand that he's probably going to win it. But when you think about Carlson, Fantilli, some of the other names that you mentioned like that, I think this rookie class race is going to be a lot of fun. And I think these rookies will be talked about for a long time being impact players in the NHL. Yeah, we touched on Bedard on opening night. I remember you were there with me and Ian for opening night between the Penguins and Blackhawks. Even though he didn't score in that game, he got his first goal yes. the day after against the Boston Bruins on a wraparound. A moment he'll remember forever and the start of a new era in Chicago. With Columbus, Pascal Vincent as the head coach is for the best because you remember the old Mike Babcock saga? Yes. And Pascal Vincent being brought in after Babcock re-signed 
and that's good for the young players for their development. And Fantilli getting some uh, some nice looks early in his NHL career. The baffling part is that they decided to list Kent Johnson as a healthy scratch, and he was one of their best players last year. I'm going to be honest with you, and that's not just because of the U of M side for me beating the Michigan. I do not understand that. I don't. Me neither. Especially, you consider that he was primarily spending his time on the second line, mostly with Jack Roslovic and Patrick Liney last season. You'd imagine that he'll be on that second line, say, Fantilli and Linus. You have Johnny Hockey on the first line. Perhaps Fantilli could get on that first line later on. But we'll see what Vincent decides. you got to have Johnson playing, though. Yes, you do. And I think Yarmo Kekalainen would be in trouble if that uh, keeps continuing, as this is 1-1 one and one here for Alec Bohm, again batting fourth in the order. And a sinker, a fastball, will be just outside, make it 2-1. <laughs> I'm talking so much on the hockey side as of late, so I think I extend this for just a bit. Even though... We're touching on the subject a little longer. I may list some names. They're not from this draft class, but are rookies heavy into this season. And they're, they are names that are also worth watching. Luke Hughes, Logan Cooley, and Devon Levi. Oh All three goodness. of them are electric and coming up. So here's the deal for me, too. is We're going to definitely get back in the play-by-play, but I have to touch on this. Night one... When I covered the Devils and the Red Wings, I got a little upset. I got heated, honestly, during the broadcast with Jeff Petrie. He didn't have a great game. But what I did watch, we know about Jack Hughes and what he could do, but his brother Luke, seen him a lot at Michigan. I've seen him skate incredibly defensively, and he already looks like a top-tier pairing defenseman. And he's only like 20 years old. Something similar to what Jonas Siegenfauer and Dougie Hamilton have on the first pairing, just as we have the second out of this bottom of the fourth. And you mentioned about Siegenfauer and Hamilton, Luke Hughes and John Marino, they can form something similar to what Siegenfauer and Hamilton already have. And for Jonas Siegenthaler, for me, he's a guy that uh, I didn't get to watch too much. Depends on how much you cover the Devils. We'll be covering them a lot more this year because of how good they are. I think he's one of the premier lockdown defensemen that nobody really talks about. I mean, he's much improved on that area ever since coming over from Washington. Didn't get a lot of playing time with the Capitals, but ever since he's been on that pairing with Hamilton, he's been the shutdown defenseman that he has been primed to be. Mix that out with John Marino being the other shutdown defenseman. That's a one-two punch on the defensive side. It's a very, very good hockey team. You got JT Real Muto now, as it is 2-0 with the cutter. He got busted inside a couple times. Again, we talk about it with the Philly Fanatic hats on. You see, you see the Philly Fanatic, but alongside everyone else, everybody stays standing here at Citizens Bank Park, and they are loud. They love this team. We know Phillies fans can be very passionate. Again, to a fault sometimes. Sometimes it can get nasty. But I think there is a lot of people pulling for this team because they just have some superstar players that play the game the right way. 2-1-1, Real Muto will smash this down the left field line foul. It's 2-2. Two and two. And you speak of Philadelphia sports fans, no matter which sport, they'll root for their team no matter what. And they'll stand for their team 
no matter what, whether it be between the Eagles, 76ers, Phillies, or Flyers. Gotta be honest here with you, I know some of the fans talk about it. You say you wish you had a fan base like ours. Hell, I wish I had four teams that were as competitive as theirs. It doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. Especially if such passionate fan bases like theirs. I mean, we understand it's hard to compete for championships, but you got three of the four that can pretty much do that every single year as Real Muto is now in a full count. The bullpen they are showing on the TBS side, they are not really warming up yet. Again, they're just sharing some laughs in the 2 nothing lead. Here's Real Muto on a full count pitch, and he gets punched out on a ball. So that will end the fourth. It's still 2 nothing Phillies. I think Real Muto wanted a discussion with the umpires on where that's supposed to be called a strike or a ball. Guess the strike zone may be in accordance with where the umpire's been looking at home plate. And on the broadcast, you may think that is a ball as it was inches below the zone. But sometimes these strike zones can move in accordance with the umpires. See, all I ask for whenever we do that, because you, you're definitely correct, all we ask for and all the players want is a consistent strike zone. Ten out of ten times, you want to have a consistent strike zone, no matter what game it is. Because as Carlos Torres at home plate, umpire, and with this line of sight, you can think that it's just moving just a little down. I am going to keep my eye on this, again, as we're going to give you some NHL scoreboard stuff during the break. I don't want to make Alec have to lose his voice talking all about hockey, so... Well, uh, he can monitor himself. I don't want to push him too far, but I do see Pierre Dubois got his first goal as a member of the LA Kings, assisted by Andre Kopitar and Kim Fiala at 11:01. So we will monitor that. I am on record of saying this. I know Cooper said this for the Vancouver side. Maybe I'm a little bit oversighted because I've liked LA the last couple of years. I did not like the dismissals of Alex Iafalo, Gabe Villiardi, Rasmus Kupari in that pick. I understand what Dubois can do. But I think there's some pressure that he's got to contribute. But right now they're up one nothing on Winnipeg as L.A. is trying to get their first win of the year. You know, with the Kings and with P.L. Dubois coming in from Winnipeg in that trade, you'd think that they'll be a much improved offensive team. In theory, they are. He's so far had a good chemistry with Kevin Fiala, and that showed in the preseason. The big question is with their goalie tandem, with their Goalie trio yeah. of Cam Talbot, Phoenix Copley, and David Riddick. You'd, you'd think that this would be a bottom feeding goaltending tandem. The offense and defense can make up for that. It may be looking like a, say, a Seattle Kraken situation with a good offense, good defense, but the weak spot is the goaltending. Yeah, and I don't know. For as good as a team as the Kings are, I think I. I picked them to miss this year, and I, I didn't feel comfortable saying it, but I think it's a possibility when you're talking about that goaltending tandem. So the Stars will finally get to start playing some games, but their thing for them is they got to go to uh, T-Mobile and play the Golden Knights. That's going to be a hell of a late game. I will watch some of that once this game is done and get the story all set up. And I was thinking about covering Avalanche and Kraken, but I'm glad we got to jump on the NLCS. The Kraken don't have a win yet, and they're going to lose Brandon Tanev for about six weeks. Ah, that just makes that 
into the head from Brett Howden a lot worse when we think back to opening night mm -hmm. in that game. Ouch. So this will bring back up the Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, you'll be in the bottom portion of the order. 789, Alec Thomas, Evan Longoria, and Geraldo Perdomo. As Nola is back out there, he has been absolutely dealing. But again, Arizona's kept themselves in striking distance. It was an almost missed home run for Bryce Harper. Could have been 4 nothing, but still 2, as it's a 2-0 count. And we'll dig back into the box. A young Philadelphia Flyers fan, alongside with his dad, is at the ballpark. Again, it's always nice to see the youngsters at the ballpark. I can't imagine how much playoff tickets are, but it'll be a very special moment. I've never gone to a playoff game in any of the sports that I've been at, and though I've been at a few. It's a 3 nothing count for Thomas. And I may write that down on my bucket <clears throat> list. Go to a playoff game, no matter what sport it is. And those are Club Giroux jerseys, by the way. Very cool. Again, I think the Phillies fans will, and the Flyers fans will always love Claude Drew. He was exceptional as a Flyer. It's 3-1. It's a sinker right on the outside black as Thomas will get set to dig back in. 239 bombs, 39 RBI. Again, 86 strikeouts, but he does have some speed if he can get on base, but it's a full count now. And we speak of Claude Giroux, even though he is well-beloved in Philadelphia, and him continuing to deal in Ottawa, you'd wonder about how far Ottawa will go, because they have their core assimilated and their free agent signings assimilated. The only question is with the Shane Pinto holdout. He still needs a contract that is a full count. Thomas takes a good rip at a curveball. That one is foul. We'll do it again at the full count side of it. Again, just 2 nothing. It's just a pair of solo shots from the top of the order. Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner. That's pretty much your reset to this point. How are we doing, Andrew? Good. I just wanted to say about the playoffs. last playoff game I went to was Hurricanes-Capitals um, game two. It was 6 nothing Hurricanes. But then um, Alex Ovechkin. Absolutely clocks Andre Shvestenkov, if you remember that one. The place was going crazy. It was awesome. Full count pitch here for Nola. And Alec Thomas again. We'll get this to the second baseline. It'll be an easy toss over for Harper. One up, one down. So now we get to the bottom of the order here for Arizona. Arizona did... They're known for a team to come back. They've done it twice. Tried to do it again in game one of this series, but against this tough Phillies team, it's been certainly a daunting challenge. Yeah, definitely looking like midnight's coming early for Cinderella. <laughs> it's, yeah, the glass slipper, the pumpkin carriage, everything else, it, it feels that way. That's kind of what Alec and I mentioned in the open on that side. And uh, we will see, because Nola is looking to deal. And again, everybody's talked about Zach Wheeler and Nola. They're the best two pitchers remaining in the playoffs. And right now, through four and a third, Nola's really looked like it. He has, and he's playing his part. Longoria, near the warning track, jumps and leaps and makes the catches. Castellanos, and two outs. Along the right wall. I mean, that had the distance for Evan Longoria. It looked like he was going there. We, we talked about his defense, but his offense almost, and I mean almost, looked like it was going to be a home run for the 
Diamondbacks. We talked about Bryce Harper earlier in this game, but Evan Longoria almost had one too. If it weren't for those catches, it would have been 4-1. I'm looking at the Phillies defense. When you talk about Bohm, you talk about Harper and some of the plays, and now Castellanos. They've been really solid. Again, he had the Trey Turner play from the beginning. I understand things happen with Corbin Carroll off the hop. But the Phillies have done themselves a service on defense. And if they can continue this alongside their pitching and their hitting, that's why we talk about in the open. I think this team's probably going to go to the World Series. But Nola's still got work to do. Perdomo, 93-mile-an-hour sinker. It's 0-2. You got to swing there. Because it was going down Main Street. you got to take a chance on that. Perdomo hitting just 188 in this postseason. And again, his numbers, 223 in the regular season. Doesn't strike out a lot, but he feels like he might have missed one there. As the towels continue to wave. It's a potential final out in the top of the fifth. 0-2. And a curveball. Changeup is outside the zone. Make it 1-2. And with their pitching staff throughout this postseason, they've been having it amazingly well. I mean, other, other teams would be jealous to have one of their pitchers. Every way across the board. Starters, relievers, uh, lineup, anything construction. It seems like the Phillies have no weakness. And again, that's why I would label them as one out of the four that are remaining. That's just my opinion. Two and two. As another fastball goes outside the zone, Superdomos working his way back in the count here. It's full, three and two. So, between them, the Diamondbacks, the Astros, and Rangers, we speak of how the Rangers have been dealing with the Astros, and so far, the Rangers, you'll have game three tomorrow, and they've named the starters for that game Max Scherzer, Christian Javier. Perdomo, as his helmet comes off, he follows it. You perked my eye up a little bit, my friend. Max Scherzer is on the mound for the Rangers. And he and Justin Verlander, previous teammates with the Tigers, reunited once again with the Mets earlier this year. Now they're on opposite sides in this Lone Star rivalry. I mean, oh. I've seen this coming. It's a knuckle curve that split the plate again, and Perdomo had two hittable pitches. He does not swing, and Nola gets the strikeout. I just want to mention this. Again, Alec can tug at the heartstrings a little bit for me, because when I think about Verlander and Scherzer, I think of them as Tigers. Hell, we thought about them as New York Mets to begin the year. They were going to be teammates, and now they could be facing off against each other, depending on how far the series gets extended. Yeah, some are saying are saying seven games, but others have said that this could end quicker with how the Rangers have been playing. Now I know the Rangers they made it closer than it should have been in Game Two, but they can win games any which way. Don't forget that Bruce Boshi is undefeated, thirteen and zero, when winning Game One of a postseason series. That's a hell of a stat, my friend. I mean, that's daunting. I've had uh, some of the some of the friends I play uh, some games with. Sometimes it's NHL or NBA or whatever. We all play 2K and this and that. Short point is this: I'm from Detroit. One's from Texas. One's from Kansas City. What does Bruce Bochy have in common with all three of us? They've all beat all three of our teams: the Rangers, the Royals, and the Tigers. 
in the World Series. Bruce Bochy is a very good manager. One of the best, and perhaps one of the best among the best in, in this MLB. Him being picked up by Texas was a slam dunk hiring. And you'd wonder about the Rangers. Initially, you'd think that they'd be making the playoffs this year because of their pitching. They've made it because of their offense. I'll be honest with you, for those that don't know, again, I've been a little bit on the bandwagon for the Rangers for the last couple of years, not because anybody I know, but looking at the uh, hitting side of it, it seems like Texas always scores a lot of runs, but as you said, you bring in Scherzer, you bring in DeGrom, some of the stuff with Montgomery and the deadline, yeah, the pitching was supposed to work. Well, here's the situation as we talk about in the open. The pitching really has worked for Texas. They've kind of taken a four-something ERA, and they moved it into the low twos, and you nailed it on the head when we did the first game with the Rays when I was uh, not feeling too good on that side, but Jordan Montgomery, I mean, my goodness, he has fit right at home. And again, I don't think it was a difficult decision for Bruce Boshi to say, you're my game one starter because you're just pitching too well right now. I mean, it's a no-brainer. He's their, he's their number one guy, so it's a no-brainer for him to be their number one guy to start this series. And then with Nathan Avoldi riding a hot hand, he gets promoted to being the number two guy as Max Scherzer was recovered from his injury, and now Scherzer is the number three. This means an interesting decision for game four on who to start between John Gray or anyone else. Don't forget, John Gray was also activated from the I.L. It's a good problem for Texas to have. It seems like their pitching is starting to become healthy at the right time. Nick Castellanos very close to hitting a home run his last time up. Merrill Kelly's still out there. And again, I just won't I won't sugarcoat this. He's been very, very good as far as his game. He's only given up a couple of runs. He's going to try to get through five with two or less. I think he would take that. If you're Arizona, you just got to find a way to get the bats going. You got to wonder if there's a realistic possibility if both pitchers will go at least six or seven innings because they've been pitching a great game thus far. Yeah, they have. I mean, either way across the board, if you're a manager on either side between Troy Lavilla or Rob Thompson, if you told any one of them, if we were beat reporters, and he said if you would be okay if your starter went six innings and two runs or less, everybody's going to say yes. And that's essentially what Kelly's trying to do right now. Castellanos, one and two, the count. As he gets set to dig back in with the open uppercut stance, he's still waiting on the pitch here. And this is 93, and this one is back follow again, straight back. And we mentioned about the topic of pitching duels. <clears throat> Along with this one, to go game one between the Astros and Rangers, between Verlander and Montgomery, that did not disappoint. So we'll get to see if they can go further along with these pitching duels, or if this is going to be much of the same as we saw in Game 2. Yeah, we'll have to find that out. Castellanos going to go grab some pie, and he's a little bit early on that off-speed pitch, and he's going to sit down. It was a little low for him to swing that one. I mean, just below, I think it was below the zone, and he took a chance at it. I know... The hunger in his eyes, the fire inside yes. him. He wants the home run. And he, he tested it, perhaps not now. Yeah, again, we said 185 strikeouts in the regular season. Again, I tried to make a mention of that. That's very possible. The one thing for Castellanos, as you mentioned, he's been so hot with the home runs. 
you hope that he doesn't get too big and try to hit a home run in every at-bat because he's definitely got the speed to be able to do, you know, turn a single into a double. Marsh will take a big cut, make it one and one. And he took a chance there on that low ball, similar to what Castellanos did, and same story. So the bearded one and Brandon Marsh, he would make uh, Brett Burns jealous, I think. He's going to swing and miss again on another low ball. It's one and two. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Brent Burns in this <laughs> conversation because that beer is certainly one of the best that we've seen in baseball. So it's a playoff hockey type beard, similar to one of Burns, Joe Thornton. Yeah, Joe Thornton had an extravagant one too. Gorgeous pitch by Kelly as it's a curveball down in the zone and there has been some caught looking between both the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, but Marsh will have to sit down. Errol Kelly has been riding the hot hand for Arizona, and so far this night continues on for him. This Diamondbacks offense needs to step it up here in starting in the sixth inning because they cannot allow forward any more home runs from eight from the Phillies. No, they can't. And again, from what we talked about, it's back-to-back punch-outs of Castellanos and Marsh. Marsh is a guy that... Strikes out a little bit too with 144, but he, you know, he did draw 59 walks, a 277 average, and Kelly uh, fed him his lunch there. He's looking to do the same thing with Rojas, who's two for 26 with 10 strikeouts. Rojas will take a big cut and follow this one straight back. He's down behind 0-2. From what I can tell, with Rojas, he's more of a defensive guy, considering the batting average with how he's been called up and utilized by Rob Thompson. It would be the same for me for someone who's already on the bench in Christian Pache. I think he would kind of be the same thing. So if Rojas continues to struggle, you can throw Pache in center field. This one is spiked. The slider missed way out. We'll do it again at 1-2. and two. And you'd imagine Dab opening Pache <laughs> at center field if he, he continues struggling like this. I mean, you can't have everybody firing one through nine. We get it. So if you struggle at the ninth spot, when your first eight hitters carry you the way they do, Alec and I can tell you, Phillies will be fine with that, but you want to make sure. And Kelly, uh, great job, my friend. You struck out the side. I mean, this one was heading towards the dirt. <laughs> this was going downwards. And that was a bad time for Rojas to swing. And sometimes you're going to have these moments where you're going to have to learn when to swing and when not to swing. If it's going towards the dirt, don't swing it. We'll have to see what happens now. It will be the top of the order for the Diamondbacks. I have to use the restroom real quick. I will be right back. All right, then. I'll give you guys the rundown throughout this game. Just two scores here for the Philadelphia Phillies. Those come from solo home runs by Trey Turner. 421 feet to left center. Kyle Schwarber, 368 feet to right center. Those are your only scores here. With the Philadelphia Phillies, they lead this game 2 to nothing. They lead the series one game to zero. Look over the NHL side. The Philadelphia Flyers have downed the Vancouver Canucks 2 nothing. The other five games they're happening right now, they're still going on. We have two games at the 10 o'clock, 10.30 slots. The Minnesota Wild are up 5-1 on the Montreal Canadiens. I was going to say that was the same score of the Edmonton Oilers over the Nashville Predators. 
Guess what? The Oilers have just scored in a 6-1 Oilers. Now the Buffalo Sabres, they're up 2-1 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, middle of the third period. And most of these games coming to their conclusion, or two of them actually, as the Wild are up 5-1, 3-24 left. Sabres up 2-1, 6-34 left. The New York Islanders are the only goal on the Arizona Coyotes, midway through the third period. And the LA Kings are up 2-0 on the Winnipeg Jets with P.L. Dubois getting his first goal. As a king, he and Kevin Fiala have been displaying such amazing chemistry dating back to the preseason, and that chemistry has continued to show for L.A. For Edmonton, it's been a fireworks show in Nashville. Call it the Music City, and expected to be this much fireworks there, with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid each having at least one goal. Dreisaitl has two, both on the power point. Thank you for that, my friend. Just needed a quick little spell. We will uh, finish off the rest of this game with the top of the six. Again, 2 nothing Phillies. I know Alex has been going over a couple hockey scores. I do got to uh, mention to Alec a local thing here. What did you think about the Owen Power extension? Well, for Buffalo, they're looking to keep their young core around long term. Between this and Rasmus Dahlin, these are very good keeps for Kevin Adams and a job well done. The difference between the Rasmus Dahlin contract and the ones of Drew Doughty and Eric Carlson is that Doughty and Carlson, they're mostly being paid for past performances. Dahlin is being paid for his entire prime. Great move by Adams. Yeah, I think so too. Again, you know the cap's going to go up. I know people are going to say Power hasn't proven himself yet, but I mean, that is what you do. You know what he's going to do in the future. He's very good. He was a top pick for a reason. When you had that U of M side between Power, Beniers, and Kent Johnson, Uno Dos Trace, I was pretty happy to see that. We'll see what Aaron Nola can do in the top of the six. Corbin Carroll, this is a fastball, and I believe, yeah, it's a ball. It's 2 and 0. So we're getting back here. This rookie is looking to get something off here, and it, it, this offense starts and ends with Corbin Carroll. When he's hot, the Diamondbacks are hot. Absolutely. Bouncing ball. This will be an easier one for Turner. Toss over to Carroll. Lost his lid, but he's out. So, something easier for Trey Turner to handle. Not one of those hot potato type of balls that led to those two errors against Atlanta in Game 2. And that comeback by the Braves, even though the Phillies eventually won that series. But Turner, no problem for him that time. So question for me, I know what the uh, number usually is when you get to the century mark and 100. That's when they think about moving on from pitching here. But we still, as we get the shot from the TBS side, we still don't see any movement in the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen for good reason. I mean, Nola's been good, but we will monitor that as we go along. Cattell Marte, 11-game postseason hit streak. That's a Diamondbacks franchise record. There's been some really good players for the Diamondbacks on that side. Again, it's been a while for the playoffs. Marte, this is slash to the right field line. This is going to be a double. Castellanos got to play this off the hop, and he'll cruise into second. Perfect placement as it was going right down for the right side. Marte knew this was slow moving to the right, but just fast enough so that Castellanos doesn't have a chance to get right to the right side. And, and then he runs over to second. Base knowing well that he has a double right on his deck. 
So this is an opportunity. I know Tommy Pham up first, but Christian Walker will likely get another at-bat with runners in scoring position. Gabriel Moreno's look like the best Diamondback up until Marte's hit right now. So we'll see if one of them can come through. And again, the reason why I bring that up, we talk about the Phillies lineup where anybody can strike. I think that's a little more limited in the Diamondbacks lineup and how many opportunities they're going to get against Nola. He's been good. Tommy Pham needs to come through here, though. 0-1. As the pitch clock's down to 5, Nola gets his sign from him. He looks for Marte. And a sinker. Ooh, that is a pitcher's pitch there. Make it 0-2. You can argue between Marte and Moreno as the two best Diamondbacks on the offensive side on the day because with how things are going, Merrill Kelly has been doing everything right. Just two runs allowed, and that's it. Those are the only runs in the game. He's been doing everything right. Yes, the rest he, of the offense needs to wake up. Yes, he has. I mean, you can't say that any better. That's exactly what the situation you find yourself in. And now I believe Hoffman is going to warm up here into the Phillies' bullpen. So finally starting to stir a little bit just in case. You might not even see him out there, to be honest with you, the way that this is going. But Nola has Marte in at second. Again, the long look as he lives into Pham. And Pham will put this down the third baseline to Bow. Man, he's been so steady at third. As he gets it, throws it over to Harper. And there is two outs. The third defensive play tonight for Alec Bowman, even though he may be named twins. I just wish I could have the same defensive talent as him on the baseball. <laughs> just, oh, man. Sometimes I, I would wish about being out there, perhaps. But he's been sturdy at third base, and that's why the Phillies have him as one of the defensive anchors. I would love to play baseball, too. I know with the cerebral palsy, I can't do that. But I always think about baseball, and I think about hockey, especially if I could be a hockey center. That would be my favorite sport. I think I, w I would live for that. But calling it and following sports as much as we do, that's a passion. That's definitely one thing you can live vicariously through, my friend. Is Walker uh, swung so hard, he might have knocked one of the lenses out of his eye. Maybe he got some dirt in there toward his uh, right eye, I imagine. <clears throat> oh, just hope everything is okay with Christian Walker because that was headed right for us. I will. That was a, yeah, that was a violent inside swing. He wanted to get a piece of it, but he got all tied up. So Christian Walker 0 for 2. He mentioned he could be the heavy artillery. And Nola, I mean, my God, that is paint. Right in, in the right corner of the zone, that is a perfect pitch. It just right down, right on the right line. It, was, it forced Christian Walker to guess if it's going out or in. You want to give your best pitches to the best hitters. That's what Nola's doing now. 0-2. And a fastball high at 92. And again, you don't have to throw over 100 to be effective. That's what Aaron Nola's showing you. He's mixed in beautifully, Alec. The curveball, the changeup, the sinker, the cutter, the fastball. He's throwing five different pitches. He's mixed them all well. He's up in front 1-2 and two against Walker. And a fastball high. Walker offers at it, follows it back, stays alive. Yeah, do remember that Jordan Montgomery was pulled after 90 pitches. Even though you said he don't have to throw one time to be effective, Jordan Montgomery's proof of this. He was pulled in the middle of the seventh inning in game one after a, his second shutout game of this postseason. Yeah, you just you get the outs you can get, and you move on, and you hope your bullpen can do the rest. That's the situation. 
Christian Walker stays alive again. That was right in on the black. It's good, tough pitches. Walker trying to hang in there. It's one and two. I'd be curious to know which relievers that Bruce Boshi is going to go because he's gone with the same three relievers for the last two games. And Josh Boers, Aronis Chapman, and Bose Leclerc. So this can open the opportunity up in game three. That's something I'm going to watch. I'm going to have a comment with you on that after this at bat. Here is a big swing and a miss on the knuckle curve. And Nola, a golf clap to you, sir. You are dominating this lineup as it is still 2 nothing. Have yourself a night, Aaron Nola, picking up where Zach Wheeler has left off. And that opens up the pitching staff for game three. Because remember, they went with Ranger Suarez yes. in game one against Atlanta in game four as well. So it's, those were the same two matches, Suarez versus Strider. But, and Suarez has delivered both times and led to the relievers getting opened up early on. So Suarez, he's not a guy who you need to pitch six or seven innings, but four or five quality innings yep. would be good enough before the relievers come on if you're Suarez. Over from the last year's side, over the last couple, if you do look at Rangers, Suarez, postseason numbers and do a deep dive, uh, he's as good as anybody especially the postseason side. I understand he's not a bona fide starter as far as the big names, but his production and his ability to get outs, he's top tier. You mentioned this with Bruce Bochy as we go into the break for the Texas side as we flip over to the ALCS. Yeah, I'm interested because if you can continue to roll out Spores, Chapman, and Leclerc, you feel pretty good, but who else are you going to rely on if times do get tough? I would imagine for the Houston Astros, even with Max Scherzer on the side of it. Again, we mentioned this a must-win right now for the Diamondbacks, even though it was just game two. You're looking at the Astros. You go down 3-0 against Texas, and you have Scherzer on the mound. I mean, yeah, we already know what the check's going to be. There's no way that they're going to come back and win four straight games. It has happened in between certain situations with the Red Sox and the Yankees, but I'd pretty much write that one off. But, yeah, if you can make it where there's still strong enough pitching, that Texas is featured, and you only have to go to that 7-8-9, you're making Bruce Bochy's job very easy. It would be much easier for Bruce Bochy and company on mm. that front, John. And then with the relievers, not only with Spores, Chapman, and LeClaire, but also Cody Bradford and Dane Dunning, Andrew Haney, who were starters for some time. Yeah. They, they're going back into the role at the bullpen. And with Will Smith, the, the, who was then previously the closer for them, He's been demoted of closing duties and being the backup closer after Leclerc, but he can be reliable in such situations when he's feeling it. Just remember, in the regular season, the Rangers had 63 save opportunities. They secured 30 of them. This postseason, they secured four save opportunities, or three, I meant. So, yeah, they were absolutely brutal to being pretty darn locked in. <laughs> Yeah, they have been. So, Phillies, again, Alec mentioned this in part of the break, and again, I don't have much to add as far as the score reset. It's still 2 nothing. It was a short bomb and a Turner bomb, and guess what? We're going to go right back to that portion of the order again, and anytime I see Kyle Schwerber at the dish, I get a little excited and perked up because you know something's going to get ignited, and the fireworks have potential. 1-0 pitch. Kelly is back out there, 
And regardless of what I write in this story, I'm going to put Merrill Kelly in a high regard because he's done everything. As Alex said, he's got to get some support as these outs will start to climb against. It's 2-0. and out. And a changeup makes it 2-1. and one. So I can't wait to see what Kyle Schwarber has to offer too because you mentioned about guys with big home runs on low batting averages. Schwarber's one of them alongside Max Muncy and Max Kepler. Schwarber! He does it again! 3 nothing Phillies! Right on cue with another Schwarber bomb this time to center. See it just from to the left. And now to center, well, this man is on fire. Don't tell anybody that a 197 average won't make you a baseball player. Kyle Schwarber's going to tell you to shove it. He's got absolute home run power. And Kelly, it's a changeup. It caught too much of the plate. And again, if we're going to be completely honest, my friend, three mistakes three home runs. Is that how you see it? Perhaps three mistakes, three home runs. So perhaps Merrill Kelly's night could be coming to an end after this inning, no matter what, because even though he's been pitching himself a solid night, yeah. he has been has a lot of three home runs too to Kyle Schwarber, the same guy, and he's getting <laughs> smiles left and right along the dugout. It must be nice. I know I can't use the same terminology because I want to keep things PG, but I'll, I'll use this one. It must be nice to hit cement mixers all over the field if you're Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> For sure, especially you look at this, the contrast between the batting average and the number of home runs. You said, don't tell anyone that a 197 batting average is not going to make you an MLB player. Because 47 home runs is going to negate that argument. Yeah, 47 home runs, 104 RBI, and 126 walks. He's, he just does damage. It's, it's a walk, strikeout, or home run. That's what he is. I always say the modern-day Adam Dunn. You remember him on the Nationals. I remember him part of the White Sox. That's the same player, essentially. It's a full count for Turner. Don't want to let him get on base. And another walk. That is speed. And it's a good start for the Phillies here in the bottom of the six. I wonder if Lavulo is going to talk to Merrill Kelly and, and perhaps get his bullpen out right now because Kelly, even though he's been good, <clears throat> the free home runs are not going to help the case for Arizona. And perhaps the relievers, they may be coming on early, early here in the sixth inning. Good call by you. They are going to move on, I believe, from Miro Kelly. They're going to try to go left on left against Bryce, unless they want to keep him in. He's at 80 pitches right now. Again, as Alex said, and I will reiterate, not a bad night. But again, it's just home run hitters. They're good players on the other side for the Phillies. The Diamondbacks have not come through at this moment. But we'll see. Kelly is still there right now. They are... Having the meeting on the mound, it looks like they will have Miro Kelly face Bryce Harper, but they were certainly thinking about it. And as you said, in between Troy Lavuo, time is now. They'll get everything squared away. But as looking at my notes, I had Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, and Luis Frias 
all ERAs of above 4 and whips of 1.5. So can the bullpen do the job is the question. Joe Mantiply is one of the best arms that Arizona's got. He's getting warm up right now. Merrill Kelly against Bryce, and he follows it back down the left field line. You took up the question about who can come off right for the bullpen to deliver the job. Joe Mantiply, of course, as you mentioned, he can definitely deliver the job. And yes, he is still getting warmed up in the event if he were to come on, say, anytime between now and the start of the 7th. That's how I'll put it. Yeah, and you want to see for your Arizona how much are you going to burn because you're going to need those guys for next game that's going to be coming up. You're going to get the off day before you go to Arizona. It's a 2-3-2 format in the postseason. So when they get to Chase Field, they're going to hope to launch a lot of home runs into that pool. That's pretty much what they're going to have to do because you know Philadelphia is going to do it. All their runs are on solo shots. Harper, big cut for Harper way out of the zone, but he was feeling himself there, one and two. I mean, without Bryce Harper's been playing this postseason, of course he wants to have another one of those home runs. Yes, he does. And again, I should say this. We mentioned about all the fans standing. Why shouldn't they be? They're always thinking about a home run every time someone's at the dish. One and two. As it's uh, pitch number 84 for Kelly as he gets set to deliver. A look into Gabriel Moreno. And a cutter is fall back as Turner had the base. He's going to have to go back to first, though. He was thinking about going to second and then maybe even further if Bryce Harper hit that. But then again, we'll have to wait and see if anything happens. Again, there was a situation where Bryce Harper trying to go for a steal and Alec Bohm had to lead off again on that side. So Phillies have been thrown out once in this game. Not on the other side for Arizona because they really haven't had base runners with the exception of Cattell Marte. Long look over here for Merrill Kelly. Harper up against it, one and two, and they'll use the disengagement, and Turner just got back. That's what the legs are for, and the speed of Trey Turner can definitely pay dividends no matter if it's getting right back to base or if it's stealing bases. I know you have those up gloves on now, but he was just able to get back to first base. As Harper gets set to check back in, one and two, and he does not spit on it, make it two and two against Bryce. You'd imagine that Bryce Harper may be going to look for a pitch he likes here. The power threat and the green light, I imagine, for Rob Thompson and a lot of his players is friendly. It's always green when you got superstars like that. The NL MVP trying to do some more damage as he swings and misses on a fastball up and out of the zone. Kelly got him once on it. This time he got him to punch out. The ball was above the bat that time around. And, he, and Harper was aiming for the top of the zone. It was just feet above the zone that time around. And perhaps got to aim it correctly next time around for Bryce Harper. Alec Bohm will be due up next. Is again, another one of those beards and luscious hair combinations for the Phillies. Again, not quite Brandon Marsh. But on that side, Harper keeps himself pretty clean, and Castellanos carries the swagger. I mean, you got to like everything that the Phillies provide right now, even if you're on the outside looking in like I am. Again, some local connections for the Tigers for me, but still, 
This is a team that completely looks dangerous, and Elk talked about it in the open. You can look at the records, whether or not you believe in it. We mentioned all the 100-win teams that all lost first, especially in the AL East. But the Phillies in this lineup, this pitching staff, they're showing you why they are more than true contenders. They may not have been World Series favorites going into it, but it's hard to believe now that they shouldn't be considered one. Yeah, it's very hard to believe, especially <clears throat> the four teams that are left. And as I said like, like earlier, the Phillies may not may not be a one-on-win team, but they're playing like one. Yeah, everything is just working well right now. Again, Alec Bowman in this game, a flat on the ground at 0 for 2, 154 in the postseason. But for his regular season, there was about 274. So you split the difference somewhere in the middle there. He can definitely get the job done. Turner still at first as the cutter is outside the zone. Make it 2-0. Oh. Saw something. I'm, every time I hear that, I'm trying to keep myself on track here now. It's 2-0. and Bohm will get set to deliver here. Turner could get off of the pitch if he wants to. You know, they have complete trust there. Bohm with an uppercut. And this should be an easy catch. And Perdomo makes the catch. And Bohm's frustrated with himself because he knew that he was going to be caught out when he just flung that one up, and that's going to do it for Merrill Kelly tonight. It's not a bad outing between five and two-thirds. I know you're going to look at three runs and say, what do you mean? But, I mean, they were all solo shots against a very deadly lineup. We'll have to see if Joe Mantiply can finish the job. I would imagine he's going to be more than just a one-out guy. I normally remember him as a closer. I know it's not not this situation now, but still... You want to make sure you keep this bullpen fresh. You get the day off. You go to Chase Field because if you're down two nothing and you burn your bullpen, that's not a good situation either. We'll go to break. We'll make the pitch and change. You mentioned about the bullpen. You don't want to burn it and just exhaust their arms. You gotta say go to a variety of options. Say what what, what the Astros were doing between Game One and Game Two when Game One they were to use Brian Abreu and Hector Neris. Game Two was Abreu, Rafael Montero, and the closer, Ryan Presley, that they've used up in game two. So if you're the D-backs, you got to go to a variety of options. It starts with Matt DePuy. and to look back with what they did in game one among the relievers. But have to go out to the rest of your bullpen and not use the same guys as the last time between Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, and Luis Rias. Yeah, yeah you got to make sure you stay away from that stuff. I completely agree with you because, again... If you're down 2 nothing in a series, you still have to have the uh, confidence coming back home for three that you can make something happen. Again, everybody should. Your professional baseball teams, you have complete confidence in yourself. You're playing in the highest version of the league that you can possibly play in inside the sport. So you know the guys are confident. But again, I don't think there really is much that needs to be said. If the Philadelphia Phillies go on and win this game, I think the conversation and the players and everything else for Trey Lavoe's squad is pretty clear. You got to find a way to break through against Ranger Suarez when you face him off in a couple of days. You got to find a way to get some production because there just hasn't been enough for Arizona in this series to date. There just hasn't been enough in this series thus far. I mean, three runs, all series, all coming in game one on that comeback attempt. You you think that the Diamondbacks were something out of the tank, but it, but the problem is. You were down 5 nothing in game one. Three runs on an attempted comeback is not enough. 
No, not when you're facing guys like Wheeler and Nola. And again, for as good as Zach Wheeler was, and it, Nola's pretty much doing the same thing on the other end. As we're going to try to see if Joe Mantiply can get the runner at first, which is Trey Turner. But it's five and two-thirds, three hits, three runs, three walks, six strikeouts. It's really not a bad job on this side. Joe Mantiply through 35 games, 4-6-2 ERA, 2-2 two two record, about 28 strikeouts to 9 walks. In the postseason, 1 walk, 2 strikeouts, and 2 and two thirds. So when I have some of the shorthanded names, like Alex, Alex just brought up on that side, I mentioned a lot of those ERAs are over 4. Absolutely can't be the situation now as disengagement's used on Turner. That disengagement looked a little <clears throat> too long to develop because... When you try and go for disengagements, you want to make it quick. You want to fool out the guy who steps outside the base. That time, he did not fool out Trey Turner. I think that that's a good call by you because if you're doing that with Trey Turner and he picks up on that pitch selection and when to lift that leg up, you could easily see somebody like Trey steal a bag. He could have already had one, but there was contact before from the previous at-bat from Bryce Harper that negated it. But we'll see what happens with Stott and Turner at first. It's 1-0 as Mantiply will deliver. This is 89 miles an hour right down the middle. This will split the gap, and this will get Trey to third. So that's a perfectly executed single right back to where it came from. And now runners at first and third. Perfectly executed right through the gap away from first and second baseman, away from the shortstop as well. And with the speed of Trey Turner, he already went blasting yes. right from first to third. Seeing that develop, he took a chance at going to third base, and it paid off. Yeah, they always talk about this, whether it's like Amazon Web Services or whatever they want to use to track. You do it in football, you do it in hockey with slap shots. Point is, with this with Trey Turner, as far as his speed and everything else... He is one of the fastest in the league. You got Corbin Carroll, you got Trey Turner, you got two of the fastest guys in the league in the same game. But Trey Turner can essentially turn any single into two extra bases. That's what he did there. So you have a three batter minimum. Again, it's a one out that Mantiply needs, but a three batter minimum if he doesn't get it. But now he's going to have to go up against JT Romuto, who's one of the best real running catchers in the league. And he's, he's evenly matched against lefties and righties. But his OPS gets better when he faces lefties. So JT Romuto will get set to dig in. They've discussed whatever they want to in between the pitch and squad for uh, Joe Mantiply. Again, it's a perfect split, as you said, about 250 across the board. So a little more power on the right-handed side, but the average is dead center right in the bullseye, 250. And fake the throw, and... They are not going to get the out at second, so second and third. And now the Phillies could essentially turn a single into a five-run game. Oh, my goodness. This may be what we have come to. I don't know why Ketel Marte was not in position at second base right. to try and get Bryce and Scott out. I think Scott saw it and immediately jumped to second. Yeah, that's a fantastic call. I mean, it's you can tell Marte you've got to be able to pay attention to. And I guess the good thing for Moreno is you notice that Marte wasn't there because sometimes you see catchers throw it and it goes into center field. Yeah, because you look at it going to center field, on wild throws like that, that's throwing base, 
could that turn into several runs when you have Trey Turner at third especially? Yes. Real Muto off the 0-2. This is way high with the fastball. So Real Muto try to come through here. Again, it's just a 3-1 lead for the Phillies. If you're a manager, I always used to remember Jim Leland would say, put yourself away from grand slam distance. That's at least two more runs here. That's what Real Muto's trying to do. You don't want to strand too many ducks on the pound. As everybody's standing here, change up way outside the zone, and all of a sudden Mantiply can't find it. Make it 2-2. Two and two. Sometimes you want to wonder if balls are thrown way outside the strike zone are intentional. Other times you think if they are badly thrown balls. I can't tell which is which. I think it's a good call because I'm kind of thinking the same thing here. Can he find it way outside for Real Muto? So high to the left and then inside to the right, nothing close. Nick Castellanos has punched out, but he's waiting on deck. If you leave the bases loaded for Nick, that is a dynamite situation potentially. So Mantiply shakes off the signs a couple times for Moreno. Very important out to get in a huge pitch. Three and two. Real Muto! He's going to split the gap! This is going to score two runs as this is played off the wall! And the Phillies are up five to nothing! We may be seeing them going to the World Series if they keep this up. Joe Mantiply, I don't think he's feeling it right now. No. With Real Muto getting his right over to the left center wall. And then Trey Turner, Bryson Stott, they do the rest. Wonderful job by Ramuto, one of the best catchers in the league on the bat. And Ramuto signaling Stott to come and say, come with me, buddy. I'll get you right in. Let's go to either Texas, to either Arlington or Houston if we keep this up. Yeah, they're going to stay in the same state. It just depends on the city and what hotel they're going to sleep in at this point. I know it's only going to be a 2-0 lead in the series unless we get a monster comeback, but that certainly doesn't seem to be the case. Again, for the Diamondbacks, it wasn't all that bad with Merrill Kelly out there, but when Mantiply's got ducks in the pond, he's got to get the job done, can't do it, and you miss three pitches like that, well, then there you go. So this will be an opportunity for Marsh. This is slashed on the third baseline. This is going to create more damage. A quick throw in. They can't get the out at second. It's a 6-0 lead. So perhaps the decision to intentionally walk the Castellanos came back to haunt the Diamondbacks that time around. Now he's at third and Marsh at second on the RBI double. And now the Phillies have blown this game out of the waters of the East Coast. You're trying to go lefty on lefty. That's the situation that you, you get. And Marsh gets the first pitch. He puts it down a third baseline off an off speed. He is understandably fired up. Again, you got to love the beard, the enthusiasm all the way across the board. This Phillies team, they are feeling themselves right now, and they should because they're playing fantastic. And we'll see what happens with Yohan Rojas. It'd be good to see the kid come through here. I understand what the scoreline is, but let's bring his confidence up. Yeah, it has to be because this confidence at the bat, now that he's at 075, he has to get that up. Yeah, he's hitting bingo numbers right now. He'd like to come through here and feel good about it. 
This one is going to be an easy toss over. But the damage has been done, my friend. After six, it's six nothing Phillies. And again, it's just nine outs remaining for the Diamondbacks. But they are in a world of hurt because the Phillies are hitting bombs all over the field. They're making great defensive plays for Bohm. And then they just slashed it into the gap a couple times. This is a whopping right now. I mean, left and right. And Joe Mantiply having no answers for this Phillies no. lineup. And with how good Merrill Kelly was looked, Joe Mantiply, not so much. It's been a tale of two pitchers between these two guys so far for Arizona. So we may get someone else at the mound for Arizona. But no matter who's at the bat for Philadelphia, and no matter who's on the mound for Arizona, it seems Philadelphia is winning that battle 10 times out of 10. I'm going to say something to you, and I'm sure you're going to laugh or think about it in the back of your mind, but I don't see the Diamondbacks coming back in this game. And I mentioned this with the off day, you want to save your pitchers. I know it's not going to happen as far as the managing decisions of Troy Lavuo, but I think it's position player pitching time. I think it's at that point. If it was getting to that point, considering the, the old decision coming into game three, I would project Rangers Suarez for game three, but then the decision may be getting wide open for Arizona for who they're going to start. Nor would you say Brandon Fott, but you got decisions to make between Eden and going into that game. Yeah, you do. And I, I think you should use, like, Paven Smith or Emmanuel Rivera to have them toss some soft toss for at least a couple innings or maybe even one to save a little bit of that bullpen. I know you're not going to do it during a playoff game, but that's kind of where I'm at with this one right now is it's all Phillies. Again, I'm not surprised that the Phillies are out in front, but what I am surprised at a little bit is that Arizona essentially – with the exception of Gabriel Moreno, who's had a couple tough plays against him. Eric, Alec Bohm absolutely robbed him of a couple hits. But I could tell Marte, outside of that, with a couple hits there, it is, I haven't done the box score reset, six runs on six hits and one air for the Phillies. Just three hits for Arizona, and Cattell Marte's got two of them. Yes, because between Marte and Moreno, they're a combined three for five. The rest of the team... And over. That's how bad it is for Arizona because they need something, and I mean anything, from the rest of the team. Yeah, they do. And I don't think they're going to get it today. So we can mark this one down. Sometimes we have games like this. Hell, I'm still excited to be calling and have you with me. Alec. It's been a lot of fun because we've really watched the Phillies play some complete baseball. I mean, that's really all you can say right now. So Hoffman is on the mound, and... I didn't think we would see him, but considering what the score line is, Jeff Hoffman's going to have an opportunity to eat up some innings here for Rob Thompson's squad so they don't have to use Kimbrell, Soto, Alvarado, and some of the other guys. So this is exactly what you would want. Yeah, exactly, because you look at the bullpen, you don't have to, you're no longer in a position where you have to use your best relievers now. You can use up the other guys like Jeff Hoffman, as you mentioned. Also, think about Matt Strong. Yeah, that's that's exactly what you want if you're Rob Thompson and you get the day off. So if uh, 
Strom and Hoffman can do the job, as Alex said. I think that's pretty much what Rob Thompson's going to look at. Maybe Hoffman goes a couple innings. And a slider. That was a hanger, but Moreno was, I think, late on that one. He's going to punch out, so Hoffman does the job after the Phillies score a ton of runs. And it's got to be said, my friend, for Mr. Aaron Nola, he was perfect today. Yeah, perfect game for Aaron Nola. And for all the times I was talking about Jordan Montgomery and him pitching two scoreless games between game one against Tampa and game one against Houston, Aaron Nola for sure can do the job. Yeah, let's let's just make the example here. If I couldn't see their faces and they had a mask on and they were in different jerseys, I think I'd have a hard time differentiating between Montgomery and Nola. They've both been that good. Yeah. So here's a fly ball and Marsh will come in on this in left field and Hoffman two outs and five pitches and this is going swimmingly for the Phillies right now. And again, when it does get to the final, they have that uh, song that they play, and I'm sure everybody's going to be standing and singing. But there really isn't anything the Phillies have done wrong throughout this postseason. And you can second that with the Rangers, who pretty much haven't lost a game yet. So it's going to be uh, fun to watch these two teams if that's what the World Series is going to be. And honestly, I hope that is the case, because that's going to be fireworks on fireworks. Normally, the, the, the postseason would be about pitching. But with how these two teams are playing, it may be about offense now. Yeah, and I, I really, I really, honestly, Alec, I, I'm trying to rack my brain as far as some of the best offenses I've ever seen in baseball. And I know it's a little short-sighted to just say the Phillies and Texas and cap it, but They've got to be, throughout the history of baseball, two of the most powerful offenses that we've seen so far because every game, in and out, they're doing damage and the other teams just can't keep up. And, and we speak of offense, you, you'd think the Atlanta Braves would be in this position over sure. the Philadelphia Phillies, but that four-game flameout to that Phillies team brought us no any chances of them going right down for the stretch, and it did. Yeah, I mean, that really is all you can say on that side. Again, I tried to split the middle. Like, I could say Texas and the Braves would be winning the World Series, but I really couldn't pick between the Phillies because of that pitching staff. But I did figure whoever was going to win between the Braves and Phillies would get there. Phillies have put themselves in a short order out of a uh, pretty much making it a best of uh, five at this point as, as it's a three-up, three-down for Hoffman, and he's doing the same job that Nola just did. But, I mean... I don't know what else to say. You're looking at the graphic on the screen now before we go to break. Schorber, two RBI. Turner, two, Turner, two walks, a home run. Harper with a walk. Uh, there is no easy outs. I asked that earlier for Alec. I can't come to an agreement that there is an easy out. You can talk about the ninth hitter, but who doesn't have a ninth hitter who struggles in a lineup? I mean, you can't have everything working as it should all the time, but Phillies are operating like a well-oiled machine. And when you have hitters that can hit up and down for the lineup between Schorber, Turner, Harper, Ramuto, Castellanos, and Marsh, but those six hitters coming up and hitting at will, over that nine-hitter spot struggling, that doesn't seem to be as much of a concern. No, there, there's nothing. 
And uh, let me just give you an NHL reset. Honestly, I would talk a little bit more about this game that we're covering, but I kind of think we've hit it all now, and I'm just waiting for it to end as we're giving you the play-by-play, but if anything does jump out at us, we'll definitely give that to you. We do have a couple more finals. So the New York Islanders, they start 2-0 on the season. They do get a 1-0 victory over the Arizona Coyotes. Carl Vomelka, he was excellent, but he took the loss. He stopped 31 out of 32, and Ilya Sorokin, wow, am I reading this correctly? A 14-save shutout. He had an easy night. I mean, that could not have been any easier for a shutout as it could have been. Limiting the Coyotes just 14 shots and completely shutting them down. And Matt Barzell, first of the year, coming on the power play. And I can't believe I'm reading this right because normally the Islanders they'd be struggling on the power play, but not tonight. They were able to get their chance and score, and that was the situation they found themselves in for Vimelka. Again, he played a great game. I did want to make a mention in between Sorokin and Siskirkin and who's the better goalie in New York, but I can't say anything about that game because Sorokin only had to make 14 more saves than you and I did on that side. So pretty easy night on that end. And the Minnesota Wild exploded for a 5-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Looking at your goal scorers, it's Brandon Dumaine, Connor Dewar. Two shorthanded goals. My goodness for the Wild to start this game. And uh, uh, Sam Mountainbow was busted up for 30 out of 35. And in net, Marc-Andre Fleury, the flower stops 27 out of 29. But I can't imagine that Martin San Louis is going to be happy with a couple shorthanded goals that looks to be just 15 seconds apart from 920 to 945. That does not look good. On top of that, three power play goals as well. Every <laughs> goal by Minnesota coming on special teams. So there is some point of emphasis to fix if you're Martin St. Louis. Not only to get with two shorthanded goals, but three power play goals as well. And to get blasted if you're Sam Montembeau. So definitely work to be done for St. Louis and company in Montreal. But it does not help that Kirby Doc is here to have suffered a torn ACL and torn MCL. Oh, man. Are you serious? That's real bad news for Montreal because some of the young kids that they have there between Caulfield and Suzuki, Doc was starting to come into form too. That's horrible news. And that is horrible news, especially for someone who is just found his stride playing on the first line with Caulfield and Suzuki and for him to have a season end like that prematurely we don't know how long he's going to miss but he's going to miss at least the rest of this season oh man and that was the one that came over from the Chicago Blackhawks correct yeah in the three team trade that also involved Alex Romanov to divers I want to make sure I got that correctly because I know there is a couple of uh, docs as far as the NHL side of it. I want to go ahead and I'll go back into our featured game as we're looking again. All of a sudden with all the runs that have scored, we felt like Kyle Schorber was leading off the sixth. Well, guess what? He's leading off the bottom of the seventh. He's two for three with a couple of jacks. We'll see if he can make it a third, and it's a strong possibility. I'm not trying to call it here, but it's 1-0. and oh. And a sinker inside. Mantiply, quite honestly, he's back out there. And the only reason I think why for Toyo Lavillo's squad is you just don't want to burn anybody else at this point. Perhaps if you're a Toyo Lavillo, yeah, you, you went with that same route, not burning out anyone. 
else in the bullpen and have him stick out there even after he had that bad sixth inning. Say, try and get his confidence up and keep him out there for the seventh inning. It's a high-risk, high-reward move with how he's been doing in the sixth. 3-0, and it's an obligatory take for Schwarber. That was definitely one he could detonate on again. We've already seen him in a couple of them out. But 3-1, and one, again, Schwarber is living up to his name as far as what he can do. He's got an eye. He will strike out, but he will bring the thunder. He's already done it twice. 3-1, and one, he'll take his walk. Schwarber has been brilliant, but now it will bring up Turner yet again. And from when we talk about it, as far as uh, some of these teams and what they can do, you just continue to roll over this slide-up, and it's just... It's no fun if you're an opponent on the other side. I can't say it any clearer than that. It's no fun whenever you allow Schwarber a walk with what I'm seeing. And now Ryan Nelson was warming up at the bullpen. He's due up next as Lavulu goes over to the mound to pay a visit. So that's going to do it for Mantiply. So curious, I guess you just want him to go lefty on lefty. But again, for Nelson, he did pitch yesterday. On that side, his numbers will be 418, 130 on the whip side. Everything is in the high fours. So could we see a double-digit game? Possibly. It's going to be six more outs for the Phillies to work with because you won't have to probably bat the ninth because they got the lead. And you got pretty much six outs for Arizona. They have to maybe make up more than six runs. So not a good look for Arizona in this game. Again, some of the stuff is to be expected. However... It's really difficult for me in this commercial break to think of what can change for Arizona going forward. I just don't know if they have the answers. It feels like they're, without they're getting blasted right out left and right with runs left and right, no matter if it's for the ground or for the air. I just don't know if there's really any answer for them. No. And again, in between, let's just be honest. I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You could essentially have both of these teams be 2 nothing. If you have to pick one of the teams to come back, who are you picking, the Diamondbacks or the Astros? More likely, it would be the Astros coming back from 2 nothing. I feel it may be strange to say this, but the Astros actually have a better road record than a home record, especially when it comes to postseason. Yeah, that does sound strange for as good as the Astros are. And again, when I'm thinking about tomorrow, because you brought it up in between Christian Javier, are you going to get the version that we talked about from one of our opens of last year, or are you going to get this year's version? Because the Astros are going to need the last year's version of Javier to get back into it, because if they go down 3-0 to Texas, I'm writing that one off. I'm just going to be honest with you. So a 3 nothing lead, I'm just sorry for that, 3 nothing lead for the Kings now over the Jets, in the third, it looks like they're going to get their first win of the year. And it looks like, with what we're seeing, if the Phillies keep this up, it may be a sweep. And you mentioned about the Rangers going up 3 nothing. The Astros nearly came back on the race in 2020 in that year's ALCS. They lost Game 7. But that year's Astros is very different from this year's Astros. Yes. Because the, the top quality pitcher for them seems to be Verlander. He came in via trade. Javier, he had the second combined no-hitter in World Series history behind Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. They need that version of Javier back and fast. Yeah, they do. There's not a lot of time left, and 
Texas, they, I think they can feel it, just like the Phillies. I, I can't imagine, I know opposite leagues, but ALNL, two teams that look more confident, not because there's four left, it's just they're just playing perfect baseball. And holy cow, that was a really low pitch from Nelson, but Turner was not the beneficiary of that. Strike cold. I mean, sometimes it's a 50-50 chance about umpires on how they're going to call it. And 97 splits the plate there. That could have been absolute dynamite to hit. But Turner does not swing at that. He got tied up unbelievably, but it's 1-2. and two. Runner on first for the Phillies as they look to add on. Why not? The game is never over until it is. One and two pitch. Turner. Good leaping catch by Perdomo. Right out of nowhere, he saw this one coming his direction. Jumped up. Put that glove and then the catch there. That would have been at least a double or a base hit if that went further right down or right past Perdomo. Well, we can tell you this. I know the manager on that side is going to feel pretty good about it. It's a great play regardless of the score line. That's how you keep your defensive positions locked in. But now it's Bryce Harper. Again, as we mentioned, this lineup just does not concede outs. And you called it perfectly there, my friend, as Strom is getting warm up in the bullpen. He can bring it up to 100. He doesn't have the beard that uh, Marsh does, but he's certainly got the hair. It's a... Definitely the hair, as is mentioned, that rock and flow, and he got the game-winning save, the series-winning save, game four against Atlanta. He certainly wanted to keep the Diamondbacks scoreless here as we go on, and know about that routine he does. So 2-0, and as they're getting the MVP chance for Bryson, why not? He is 0-2, that might mean he's due. 97 on our fastball, did catch the black a little low. It's 2-1, and one. and again, I think at this point of the game, I don't think you want to get too fancy. You're down six runs, pitch to contact here for Arizona. You start adding on some walks, things can get even worse. 2-1, and one. Harper will follow fastball straight back, make it 2-2. Two, two. And while, while the Phillies are having a comfortable lead, you mentioned about the walks and all of that. They may not need another home run but it would be sweet if they got another one. I think the fans want to see them get double digits to see that scoreboard turn. That's kind of where I'm leaning. It's 2-2. Fastball inside, and Nelson has worked himself into a full count. So just going to get into the NHL side a bit. The Kings up 4-0. The Oilers up 6-1 on the Predators and the Buffalo Sabres after... Seeing a seven-second goal from the Tampa Bay Lightning to tie it. They went in overtime to hold off Tampa. Man, Tampa gets the chance to tie it, and they can't hold on. That kind of speaks to the point of what we just talked about on the defensive side. I don't care how many goals Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, and Hagel score. you got to lock down. you got to. 3-2. Harper. He puts it in through the shift. And the Phillies try to get a runner at third is Schorber. He makes it there. And it's first and third with just one out. And the dogs are not being called off just yet. <laughs> How the game's going and seeing the instant replay from Schorber. Yeah, he touched that base. 
just before he can get tagged out by Longoria. And it was, I mean, just anxious before the tag by Longoria. Good awareness by Schwarber. Even though it's not Trey Turner's speed, it's still effective speed from Schwarber. Yes, it is. He's very smart. I would be shocked if I didn't see some Schwarber jerseys in the Phillies crowd. I know there's plenty to choose from. But he would definitely get a gold checkmark box from me from being one of my favorites. Again, as we said, the splits are crazy, but he's very effective as it's a cutter at 84. Could have been one that Bohm could have absolutely hit out. He's 0 for 3. He wants to get a hit here in the postseason. He's just 148 with 2 RBI. Definitely. For sure. Am I seeing a little bit of a glove hand of uh, Sesame Street nod? I think I do. This one might split the gap. This one does. This is going to create even more chaos. Schwarber's in, trying to get another run in, and the Phillies up by eight. My goodness, it does not end. Continue the carousel. <laughs> Sounds like that one episode of Looney Tunes. This just continues. You want to talk about that? You want to talk about the Tasmanian Devil Spins? Any of the Looney Tunes stuff? Any of the mix? You got it all right now, but it's all one-sided here. And again, we're talking about Bone One ahead. He went with a ball about six feet off the zone, and he was able to split the gap perfectly there, Alec. I mean, perfectly. You could not have split it any more perfect than that. Line ball going deep, and you could not have it any better than this when you went down. Oh! Bryson. Bryson Stott went for the downs, and if he's going for a bunt here from your call in there, I might lose my mind. But Rob Thompson is uh, pulling out all the stops. Eight runs on eight hits. I mean, yeah. you can line up a deck of cards, and you would choose anyone that you have in your arsenal. Ace, King, Queen, Jack, Ten, Royal Flush. Are you kidding me? This falls in the infield. Nobody picked this up. You kidding me? Nobody picked this up. There was not even a single sun glare that's coming from there. Not even a single sun glare, and this falls into the infield. That's why I said, "What?" This, this fell into the infield. Moreno didn't take a chance at it. And the three Diamondbacks that were there didn't even take a chance at it. And I don't blame Tori Lavulo coming out and initiating a mound meeting because what in the world? He's got to calm his team down. Again, as you said, it's a night game. If I'm Evan Longoria and I'm the 38-year-old and the elder statesman and captain, I'm the one catching that ball. Somebody did not have communication. That was clear. But now this has turned into an unmitigated disaster. I mean, this is becoming outright bad for the Diamondbacks. Oh my goodness, it feels like it's raining runs left and right down in Philadelphia. The forecast may be calling for more of that if we see another one dump from this next guy. Yeah, and I'm not saying this lightly, and I'm not even using it to poke fun. But that's a Little League play right there. That's got to be caught. There is no reason for it. I understand Arizona is not going to be able to come back into this game. Now you got JT Realmuto. That's a good pitch for Nelson as he gets the call on the black. 0-1, but you already got the runs against you. you got to play with some pride. you got to because 
you're down this big, eight nothing, and you need to have your sense of pride come back. You want to make this a more respectable final score. Yes. 0-2, JT Real Muto follows it back again. You can look at this entire order. I'm just looking at the ESPN box score. You got two for Schorber, one for Turner, one for Harper, one for Bohm, two for Stott, one for Real Muto, and a hit for Marsh as well. That is seven of the nine, and spinning out of the way is Real Muto. Thought he might have got hit in the Evo Shield of the elbow. They are going to double check. Again, that's going to draw some boos. But seven out of the nine hitters have recorded at least a hit. You have eight runs on nine hits. You have just three hits for Arizona. I think what we're getting, Alec, is the double check. This is zoomed in to me, and that just caught the glove, I believe. I think, well, from what we're seeing, it may have caught the glove. That's what Ramundo is arguing about, that it may have bounced off him. Since we're getting a little replay here, was it? It, it caught the glove, if from what I'm seeing, in the glove hand of Moreno. Because I thought Ramuto, this looked very close. I mean, he was just inches away from yes. hitting his funny ball. Yes. And again, in a situation, I don't blame the Phillies for challenging it. You play to the end of it like Rob Thompson. Again, I'm getting the little low look at it, and that looks a little bit ahead of me. But, yeah, I'm seeing this hit... Moreno's glove and Romito, I mean, just, just able to spin out of the way of that. He was just able to spin out of the way of that ball. You never want to have that ball hitting you, no matter what pitch it is, because that can be painful. Yeah, especially when you think about it for Romito. He's already had to take enough damage being behind the plate. So Cole's going to stand, and the challenge will be lost there for the Phillies. It's really not going to matter so much. Because they're already up by eight. Usually when you get the calls with runners on base, you know, there is something important here. But not in an eight-run lead. But still, it's one and two. And we'll get set to do it again. Yeah, it's not going to matter much unless the Diamondbacks pull off some sort of miracle. But that's not likely going to happen much. It's not. 83-mile-an-hour cutter, way low. Again, if you're Nelson, I think you just got to find the strike zone, regardless if you give up any more. Last two innings, how about this? Seven runs, six hits, a home run, and three doubles. <laughs> you think about the Phillies getting red hot at the right time. And this is going to get through the infield on a diving play from Perdomo. Boom will score. It's nine and nothing Phillies. Jeez. They just keep going on all cylinders. It feels like that Looney Tunes conga line in the baseball field is going to continue on. How low can you go here? That's what the Diamondbacks are wondering. Again, I hate to say it this way, but the Diamondbacks are getting beat so bad, they're lucky this one loss doesn't count for two. Oh, I mean, ten hits, nine of them resulting in runs. And, and to one an error, that's the only one this game, but that one error is not going to account for much because the Diamondbacks have three hits, no runs. And oh, 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 oh boy, oh boy. And Castellanos is now at the dish. You feel like the way he's been playing, I know it's funny to say because a couple games with a couple bombs, you feel like he's due. And, uh, he's got to be. Yeah, this could get even worse if you can even believe that. 
Nine runs on ten hits. Castellanos! He's gonna watch one! And this will be caught just before the warning track, but this will drive in another run and the century mark a ten spot. He would have loved to hit that home run to get six and four, but at the end of it, it's a sack fly either way. It is double digits. Can you believe this? Honestly, Alec, again, we know that we threw out the rhetorical question. I can't. I expected maybe the Phillies to win by four or five. Granted, right? I think they're the better team. But a 10 spot? No, you don't see this much in playoff baseball. Especially when you consider that it's just five years ago when the Boston Red Sox beat the New York Yankees by a score of 16 to 1. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be something that Phillies fans, you and I, and everyone else watching this game will be in a member for a long time. Sometimes we get games like these, but again, Alec, I'll just say it as plain as day. I'm glad I still have you on the broadcast. Don't feel like you have to stay because this game's a laugher, but. Dave Dombrowski, again, the former Tiger, former Marlin. He's been doing this for a long time. He's really good at constructing teams, and he's also very uh, servant to go over to other players that open up their pocketbook and want to get some great players. If you open up the pocketbook, he'll build it. And right now it's a 10 nothing lead with a runner at first, Brandon Marsh. He could still do some damage. And mercifully for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they only have to deal with the Phillies for three more outs once they get out of the seventh. Yes, perhaps something of note because the Diamondbacks are getting shelled left and right. You'd wonder if they agreed to some sort of mercy rule before this game <laughs> in the event that it goes out of hand. Yeah, you have mercy rules in MLB The Show and the video games. You don't have them in real life. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're in a situation here where we've gotten to a territory that I just don't see very often, and if I'm Nelson here again. I know I've said it and I've beaten the drum, but you got to throw strikes here. It's a 10 nothing lead. There really is no reason to try to paint the corners. It's a full count for Marsh. Sometimes you get games like this, but if you're a fan, I mean, you love it right now. Full count, and Marsh will stay alive. So while Swain Sony warms up for Arizona, you want to think that Ryan Nelson will end off his night with something to look for on Brandon Marsh. You do, but I'll tell you this, Alec. If I spotted you a 10-run lead of the Diamondbacks, I think you could get three outs and win the game. You would, yes. I, I believe in you. I think you would cover it. So, Marsh, he takes his walk. And that is something you don't want to do if you're the manager. I understand what the score line is, but you don't want to walk here. And with as it stands, they're looking at the same game parlays, and uh, some of the analysts were saying no. Castellanos would need his home run, and Carroll still need a stolen base. Nola got the five strikeouts, and now we'll get another mound meeting. So that'll pull O'Reilly Nelson and get in Sony in. In the meantime... Two more games are completed in the NHL. The Oilers 6-1 over the Predators. The Kings 5-1 over the Jets. The Oilers needed this bounce-back game and badly because of how they played against the Canucks and them going up against the Predators team, a new-look Predators team, and they come up like this. Just an explosive on the power play as per usual. Yeah, we know what they can do on that end. For me, 
As fair or unfair as it is to say, I know it's for Edmonton. I say wake me up when the playoffs start, and then once the playoffs start, can they find enough defensive help and some even strength goal scoring to be able to get the job done? Because again, I know Alec and I might have been on differing opinions of this. I don't value Edmonton as much as some other teams do, even with McDavid and Drysettle, because I think they are a one-trick pony to me. Because if you remember, with Edmonton, they're explosive on the power play. Yes, that's no secret. However, what happens when there's a team that will force you to play at even strength? Right. That's what Vegas did to Edmonton in the second round. And Vegas had the upper hand on even strength in that second round series. Edmonton was utterly manhandled by Vegas that series. Yeah, it's tough. Alec, because over the last couple of years, when you think about it, Vegas, you ran into them a buzzsaw, they win the cup. You run into Colorado, they win the cup. It's not like Edmonton didn't play against some good teams, but those teams were just better than Edmonton was. And for the strength for Edmonton, which is their offense, when you think about Colorado from a couple of seasons ago, and you think about Vegas, well, they did just as much as Edmonton did offensively too, and that's what makes it hard. Yeah, they did. But mostly the damage being done on even strength, as is mentioned, and with Vegas being able to roll out all four lines and all three defense pairings. Edmonton, they have McDavid in the McDavid line and the dry side line. With Yamamoto out and moving in, Connor Brown looking to emphasize on defense, and with Matias Eckholm into the mix, perhaps they could get something of a boost, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And the one thing before we uh, flip back over here, I know mercifully we could just talk hockey because this game's over, but uh, it's got to feel good for Edmonton after a couple rough starts. Jack Campbell bounces back in a big way. Campbell soup stops 41 out of 42. He got the starting job to begin the year in the preseason over Stuart Skinner, and they're going to need some more of that. We're not going to say that Campbell's got to be that good, but that definitely has to feel good for him. It has to with the year that he had in year one for Edmonton. He needed to bounce back in a big way, and this game he did. If they're looking for the Toronto Jack Campbell that Edmonton yeah. was hoping for, because he's still in the middle of a five by twenty-five contract, so that's not short change to give to goaltenders. So they expect him to get the job done. And now Rojas in a game like this, I mentioned. I'd like to see the kid get a hit here in the postseason. I feel pretty good because everybody else pretty much has. Yeah, everyone else getting a hit except Rojas. So for the kid to get these hits, it will be a big confidence booster for Johan Rojas. We'll see what he can do. He's up against it 1-2, and two, and he does not offer at the curveball. Make it 2-2. Two and two. And Sassoni, this will be admittedly the first time I get a chance to see him. But again, all you really have to do here is just pitch. There is no expectations here. So I think that's about as free and easy as you like. Normally the heartbeat would happen in a playoff game when the scoreline reads 10 nothing. I mean, you're just pretty much playing catch as it's 2-2, two and two and he spikes a fastball. So Again, if I'm the manager on this side and I'm, I'm managing the Diamondbacks and I see my relievers not throwing strikes in a score line like this, I'll just flat out tell you, I get angry. There really is no reason to pitch around anybody. Jake Cave is going to get some playing time as Rob Thompson can empty his bench, make a full count pitch, 
three and two. We'll see what Rojas can do. This one down the first baseline. This is stabbed and thrown across. That ends the seventh, but more artillery is thrown. It's a ten spot. Let's go to the eighth. Ten nothing Phillies. I mean, Val Philadelphia has been putting up. They can afford to get their bench guys out here. You, you, you mentioned Jay Cave and all the others that are right on the dugout. Christian Pache, yeah. Garrett Stubbs, everyone from the league can afford to get them out in a position like this because the game is all but sealed. Use them all. Get the extra rest. Enjoy the inning. There's not many times you get a game like this. I know you listen in on the uh, Stanley Cup final side, and I appreciate that when Cooper Hopkins and I were rolling, and you actually did cover the game when I had to go to the wedding on that side for my fiance's sister. Again, complete uh, awesomeness on your part, be able to join that in. I could join into the late side, but my meaning for all that is this. The last time I seen a game like that is when the Golden Knights enjoyed their route from the third period to lift the cup when you knew the game was over. That's what this game feels like. Yeah, yeah, as soon as Riley Smith scored that goal and Cooper said that it's over. Yeah. And, and, and it's a matter of how many goals Vegas will score rather than if Vegas will get the win. Because from that point forward of how Vegas was playing and how they were playing at home, you know they were going to win because they've been dominating each and every one of those Stanley Cup final games at T-Mobile Arena. There were, there, there were tight games over at FLA Live Arena, both decided by one goal. So, even split there, but Vegas was one-sided in that front at T-Mobile Arena. This feels like that exact same Game 5 for Vegas when you look at the Philadelphia Phillies. You see this possibly as wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah, I'm glad that you agree with me on that. That's why I brought that up, because I haven't had many broadcasts like this. I'm glad that you're here with me, because it definitely takes the sting off of some of the stuff. I mean, look, you and I have broadcast many solo games, and I'm sure we've had some of these like this, but sometimes they feel like they don't end, but at least we can uh, play off on both sides. But yeah, I mean, I don't often see things like this. It's, it's no fun when you're on the other side, let me tell you that. I can't imagine if you're an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, yeah, you feel good to go back home. Yeah, if you have tickets at Chase Field, you'll be happy and enjoy it, but to sit and watch a... A beating, essentially, on live TV. That just doesn't make you feel very good. I feel like the sense of confidence is going to waver down heading into Chase Field for games three and four. Without the Phillies have been steamrolling throughout this game. I mean, another one of these blocks. Just remember, it was just months ago when the Diamondbacks beat the Braves 16-13. to 13. Yes. Yeah, where, where has that offense gone? And I think a lot of that has to do with Wheeler and Nola. And as we said with Ranger Suarez on that side, I don't think it gets much easier. He's going to be overlooked by some, and I don't think he should. And Matt Strom, this could essentially be uh, two more innings of work here, depending on what Rob Thompson wants to do. They could essentially put a position player out there with 10 runs. They're not going to do so, but still, that's kind of the way that it's gone. 8-9-1, so it'll be Longoria, Perdomo, and then Corbin Carroll, but you can look at any situation that you want to for the Diamondbacks, and the only player that I think's played well, besides Cattell Marte, is Miro Kelly. Yeah, between Marte and Kelly, you mentioned Gabriel Moreno earlier. Mm -hmm. Those were the three guys that you think of for the Diamondbacks that stood out from this game, because it's 
been all Philly throughout. A complete team effort. Offense, defense, pitching. Everyone has done their job here. Yeah, it's surgical. Again, you just you don't get many of these here. Again, I, I don't want to get too far away from the play-by-play, -play, but we will keep you updated. I'm just going to ask Alec, as plain as day since he's on here, I've seen Kyler Yamamoto get his first goal of the season, Vince Dunn and Ty Cartier. Ty Cartier going to get some time from Brandon Tanev, but it is Gurgiev versus Philip Grubauer, so Grubauer's going to get to play against his former team, and like he did in the postseason, he's starting off pretty well, stopping 7 out of 7. And you know, he knows the Avalanche so well, so perhaps this is the matchup to watch for if you are the Seattle Kraken. And perhaps you can argue it's your best opportunity to get your first win of the year because it's a team that Grubar is so familiar with, and he was the reason why they beat the Avalanche in that first-round series. Yes, he was, and Seattle's got some decent goaltending. And they're still 0-2-1. Again, Joey Decord had a pretty good game the other day, so Seattle's got to find a way. Again, it's not panic time yet, but the one thing that I've noticed is that secondary goal scoring for Seattle, much like Vegas was up and down those first four lines, just hasn't been there yet. And they'd be looking for that with Dave Hatstall's team among that secondary scoring. And meanwhile, there's a 1-1 game in San Jose between... Brent Burns, his Hurricanes, and his former team. The goals by Fabian Sutherland, assisted by Tomas Hurdle. Seth Jarvis on the power play tied it up. This is from Michael Bunting and Table Terabinen. So I wanted to double check something because I heard this during the Red Wings broadcast when I had plans, and I was driving home. I couldn't believe it. I thought the Sharks had the lead, and. Uh, Again, they ended up losing 2-1, to one, but I saw Mackenzie Blackwood had a 51-save performance the other day. My goodness. And the Avalanche did score until their 50th shot on goal. <laughs> and that was very late in the third pair of Kale McCart tying it. It went to the shootout, and perhaps if Mackenzie Blackwood can have games like these, he can refine that strike that he had in his rookie year in New Jersey. And you don't see this stat line very often. Nathan McKinnon was a plus one. But yes, I'm reading this correctly to you. Nathan McKinnon had almost as many shots on goal as the Sharks did. They had 20. Nathan McKinnon had 14. Jeez. I mean, there's more than two-thirds of the shots on goal as the Sharks. And you look at that. This was a game that Blackwood was on track to steal. I mean, it was that close to being a Sharks win. So from what we speak about Blackwood, this is a good segue to you. Here he is getting the start again tonight as it's Fabian Zetterlin getting the goal from Hurdle and Seth Jarvis on the power play from Bunting and Tivo Teravainen as Carolina looks to open up their offense a little more. I think Alec can speak to that way better than I can, being a member of the Carolina side of it. But if they can open up that offense, I would definitely put Carolina in the mix of winning a Stanley Cup. I know it's early, but they definitely have the personnel to do so. They do have that personnel in doing so. You look at that, Carolina, they still have that. And just imagine, when Andrei Smeshikov comes back from his torn ACL, this is going to be a very dangerous lineup to look out for <clears throat> on Carolina's side. Yes, it is. So Strom did issue a walk, and now it's 3-2, and two, so... You don't want to go back-to-back -back walks for Rob Thompson. That would definitely draw his ire. 
Nobody warming here in the Phillies bullpen. Again, you don't think so. You've got to make sure that Strom works out of this, but absolutely. Pitch to contact. Perdomo not likely to take you deep. 3-2. This one in on the hands, and he'll do it again. So, repeated fastballs after fastballs in this sequence. It seems like this is going on for ages. What is this now? Seven or eight at-bats? Yes, it is. It's been lengthy pitches from previous walk. Perdomo trying to fight. And another one for Perdomo's fall back. So what I will do is I'll give him a thumbs up, Alec, on this side. Regardless of the score line, he's playing like this is a tie game. And that's what you love to see from players. Yeah, every time. You want to have these guys play like it's the most crucial inning of, yes. their, of their baseball careers. And that's how Matt Strom and Perdomo are treating this. Full count. We will do it yet again. And a strike three called. Good pitch there for Strom. Punches up Perdomo finally. Finally there after nine tries. He did the job. So this will go back to the top of the order, and this will be the last best chance here for the Diamondbacks. We know what the score line says, but I mean they're between Carroll and Marte. I mean, that's the best part of the order here. If you can get anything going... And honestly, we'll just tell you, I don't know if there's anything positive you can bring back into the Thursday game. But when they play again, Arizona is going to have to flush this thing and find a way. I mean, there really is. It's going to be a must win. I said must win tonight. I said must answer in the fourth inning. Didn't find any of that for Arizona. There is. They were just grasping at straws all day. So Jordan Lawler is actually going to get a pinch hit there. So they'll let Corbin Carroll take the rest of the night off. I guess I can't argue with that as Lawler takes a grand cut. It's one and one. I think Arizona may be admitting defeat early on here in this eighth inning as the rest of the dugout looks on. And Honestly, I'm surprised Corbin Carroll was awfully quiet tonight. Yeah. I agree, my friend, on that side. I mean, you got to get things going. I mean, I understand we can look at it between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, and nobody's going to argue what the better lineup is, but Carroll is one of those guys that can absolutely jumpstart things, and nobody was allowed to jumpstart today for the D-backs. Nobody. It feels like everything was just all full of crickets for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yes, it was. Again, it's just three hits. I understand how good Nola is. We get how good Wheeler is, but we mentioned in the open that... Nola was toward a 491 for his postseason average last year. And he was in the mid-fours for his postseason average in general. We didn't see any of that today. It's a 3-1 pitch here for Lawler. And this one is a little conventional here for Turner. And he will turn this, but he can't get enough speed because Lawler's got plenty of it. So it's the lead runner. It's two outs. So... Even though it was a double play opportunity, they might not, uh, even though this game is out of reach, the double play opportunity, just not there because of the speed of Lawler being able to reach first base on that fielder's choice. You can mix Lawler in there with Jerry the King Lawler and this would still be the same score. <laughs> yeah, he would. You're not wrong there. <laughs> 10 nothing as we're in the middle of a eighth inning with two outs at the dish. Cattell Marte, he's been one of the good ones. 
a single and a double, two for three, 345 average with two bombs and four RBI in the postseason. As he's trying to get something on the board for the Diamondbacks, nobody wants to get shut out. This one sizzled on the left field line. Look out over there. And look out as we speak of look out. But the other young guys from Philadelphia, Orion Kirkering, is warming up. So you don't need the best relievers out there because you're in a situation where it calls for a situation where you can set out your other relievers out there. And, you, and they can hold up well here, and Kirkering can do that. Yeah, you can use your depth in a game like this. Again, for Rob Thompson, as Alec and I mentioned, if it was us managing the Phillies, this is just a sit back, chew some gum, and some sunflower seeds type of game. As this is popped up for Marte, who wants it? That's the question. And this will be picked up by the Phillies. Stott's got it. And it'll be just three more bats for the Phillies and three more bats for the Diamondbacks. But we know what's going to happen already. Ten, nothing, Phillies. I mean, signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> yeah, as what do they say? Sometimes they say, Mama said there'll be nights like this. And uh, definitely one of those. I am keeping my eye on. Again, I wish I could do picture in picture, but I can't because I am. We are covering this game technically, but I would like to see between Dallas and Vegas. What's going to happen on that one? I'll have to keep my eyes on that. Aiden Hill in the goal crease. He's stopped 4-4. Four four. Jake Ottinger the same. That is a rematch of the Western Conference Finals. And you said it. The Devils and the Stars. That's what you like as far as the Stanley Cup Final with the Stars just missing out. But these are two good teams. And uh, who knows? Because Dallas with Matt Duchesne, I really like that pickup in the offseason. And that was just a simple buyout for Jim Nell's squad, and that's going to continue to add more damage. At just one year and three million, that is a steal of steals, especially when you look at Duchesne being two years removed from an 86-point season with the Nashville Predators, and even though he didn't hit that mark, he still had 50-something points last year. That's still a good production for a forward who has been really fighting his stride Wherever he goes, whether it be Colorado, Ottawa, Columbus, Nashville, the latest, and now Dallas, on the line with Mason Marshman and Tyler Sagan. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I'm looking through the Vegas schedule. I mentioned a little bit during the earlier broadcast. It started out with some soft serve, but again, Alec and I covered the opener where Seattle didn't play a bad game, but they still lost 4 1. 4 1 has been the scoreline for the Vegas all the way through. It's 4 1 victories against San Jose and Anaheim. Again, they're in the tougher part of their schedule with the Tuesday-Thursday with Dallas and Winnipeg. And then they'll go back and they'll play the Blackhawks, Flyers, and Blackhawks. So it's a real opportunity that Vegas, if I do my math correctly, out of eight games, goes 7-1. and one. There is definitely a real opportunity at the best for them in going 7-1 and one and going off to that hot start. Because of how they've been rolling, they can definitely fire at will and they can impose said will on the other guys that they've been going up against yeah and they can reintroduce Logan Thompson they can it's their 1B yeah it's a luxury of situations to have for Vegas so certainly expect them to lead the Pacific again I can't believe going into it as we talk about an opening night that they would be an 8th favorite as far as lifting the cup and again, back-to-backs are hard to do, but 
I don't think there's a better team in the league right now than Vegas top to bottom as far as everything else like that. No disrespect to New Jersey, but I'm still going to roll with Vegas on that side for the interim. But I definitely do agree with Alec on the Dallas side. They have a lot to offer, but it should be an easy start to the year for Vegas, and I continue that they're going to have smooth sailing. Would they get maybe 110 points on the year? Probably not, but I don't think they're going to have too much trouble in the Pacific. Yeah, me neither. As, as good as it gets for Vegas over the Pacific side, because it's a real opportunity to defend their division. Yeah, it really is. And again, you have the best coach in the NHL, Bruce Cassidy. That I won't argue. That I think is blasphemous if anyone says otherwise. <laughs> So Jake Cave, he is pinch hitting. It's one and two. And Jake Cave, he gets a curveball at 77. Is this going to split the gap? And this is going to get past Thomas. And the damage won't end. How far is Cave going to go? He tries to go for third. He's out. He got a little greedy. I mean, sometimes you got to know when to stop at second. Sometimes you may need to know when going to third is not the best idea to go through, or did he get him? Well, Rob, Rob Thomas has one more challenge, and they want to use that. Alec Thomas, even with his speed, he couldn't get there, and Jake Cave, to his credit, never stopped running. And do I see the tag in on a body part before? The first angle was not very good. The second one, oh, I don't know, Alec, that might have been late before the jersey. But they called him out. It was, yeah, I think it was late, but either way, even if you use a challenge, it's not going to matter much. The, the game has already been decided here. It's 10 nothing. You're up comfortably in the decision to use the challenge or not. And you may find yourself in a position where you may not need to use the challenge because it's already an out-of-hand game. Yes, it is. And Jake Cave kind of looked like me if I had one too many as he's robbing the third baseline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he got some cats in the bag from his fellow teammates, the worst efforts. That's a I don't blame his teammates for getting a pass in the pass. Get his confidence up. Yeah. And prepare for bigger situations if he were to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's still Philadelphia. It's definitely, yes, it's definitely a well-hit ball. And again, it's been a situation for the uh, former Minnesota Twin now turned Philadelphia Philly. And Mundo Sosa, former Cardinal, he's going to get a pinch hit at bat. Why not? He emptied the bench. Who wants it here? And late call off, but they are able to catch it in right field. And God forbid you don't want to drop another one of those. You don't, because dropping another one just going to get the floodgates right open. <laughs> I mean, getting over to where it feels like you're witnessing the Hoover Dam break. And yeah. that would not be a good scenario for residents of South Southern Nevada. But why is still holding up there? So I guess they're going to make us wait a little bit longer as there's definitely been some cracks, but we're going to get a pitching change. I'm not really sure why in a 10 nothing game, this could be completely honest, but this is just going to make the broadcast go another five minutes longer. It's uh, two outs in the eighth, 10 nothing Phillies. And let me get over back to the NHL. Keep in mind the Hurricanes are playing tonight without Sebastian Ajo, and it's still a 1-1 game against San Jose. Is there any injury concerns there, or is it just a day off? Let me check once again. But with how I'm seeing with Ajo, 
He is out of an upper body injury. Oh man, so hopefully it's uh, nothing too crazy because there's been a couple upper body injuries that I've seen across the league that some players will already miss extended time. I did talk about Tanev, but I know that there was uh, one other one that I saw that went across the NHL Tonight Tracker. I missed the name, but I saw someone else also going to miss about four to six weeks. Yeah, you mentioned Tanev with that hit to the head, and that looked nasty when we saw it on opening night from Brett Howden. And then we mentioned about Kirby Doc with that ACL and MCL tears. Absolutely brutal for him. And he's been really turning it around with Montreal. And to see him go out like this is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. Yes, it is. I'm looking at the injury reports by team just to try to see if I can uh, pick up on anything else. Again, we, we talked about the opening day. For uh, Jack Quinn, he's going to miss some extended time for the Sabres, but they shouldn't have too much problem as far as uh, their offense. Again, Ryan Suzuki going to miss some time for Carolina as well. So you got oh, Svechnikov that Alec mentioned, and Suzuki. And then Colton Dock, as you mentioned, for several, several weeks. Landeskog is done for the rest of the year again. It's the second straight year. He never even got a chance to get started. I kind of wonder, my friend, if uh, Landeskog is going to suit back up in the NHL. I wonder because the last time we saw him, he was lifting the cup with his, his Colorado Avalanche. Yes. That was the last time we saw Landeskog in an Avalanche uniform. And you'd wonder if this is a legitimate question about him ever playing a game for them ever again, especially given the potential cap crunch that's going to come next summer. Broken bat, he said, and that's a great jumping catch. As that ends the 8th, I wish I had more to say about that, but in a 10-run game, that's all we can wonder. Santa Claus in the building, I guess. We got everybody out there. <laughs> I mean, he said Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Jack Frost. <laughs> I mean, the Guardians from the North Pole, <laughs> everyone from there. <laughs> Get them all out, because Christmas has come early for Phillies fans tonight. Yes, it definitely has. Uh, I saw this on the Ottawa side. I know he's an Oxford, Michigan native, not too far from where I'm at now. But Josh Norris is still out for Ottawa. But I heard that he may come back at the end of the month. That would be huge for the Senators because they need him to be a fixture long-term in this lineup. Remember, the whole situation with Shane Pinto and his holdout, the contract status, we'd wonder if he's going to be signing a new contract with them or if it's going to be another Alex Formanton situation. Am I wrong to say, and I know it's a while since we saw him, you could tell me honestly if I'm wrong, but as Josh Norris, he's a guy, I'm not going to say franchise player, but he's definitely someone that could fit in a first or second line. Well, he's definitely someone who can fit somewhere in that in those top top six forward core. Okay. Have him up with Kachuk or Tarasenko or Giroux or Bapperson. You you cannot be wrong there, but Kachuk is they've already formed a nice chemistry on a one two punch with each other. Yeah. So that will get Norris down to second line. Yeah, that's a situation where you could have a little more luxury there. I agree. Because when I get a chance to watch uh, Brady Kachuk, I understand how good Matthew Kachuk is, but the Younger brother is pretty damn good in Ottawa. I mean, he's he's having a great year so far. Yeah, dating back to when he first came into this league, and he's only been going up from here through the years. 
Yes, he has. I see Steven Stamkos listed as day to day. I hopefully nothing is too crazy about that one. And as far as anything else, we did mention that uh, Alec Martinez and White Club. We don't expect them to be gone too long. Petrangelo was dinged up. He should only be day to day. And that is about it as far as anything else. So nothing major. And Orion Keckering, that is a hell of a name. 1-0, three, 3 on the ERA, 6 strikeouts and 2 walks in 3 innings. Again, it's a little bit of a soft toss situation, but just 3 outs left to get, and this game will be over, but it's felt like it's been over since the 3rd inning, maybe? And as early as that, and as late as the 6th inning, <laughs> with how you want to put it, John. Yeah, because the pitching, again, it's been a 3 nothing lead for the most part for Miro Kelly when he kept his team in it. But when it absolutely got blown open, and we'll give you the reset, but when it absolutely got blown open with back-to-back four-run outings in the sixth and seventh, it was already over. I mean, Philadelphia darn near averaging a run a hit. It's ten runs on 11 hits and one error from Trey Turner. Just three hits on the other side. And you've emptied the bench, you've emptied the back-end bullpen. It's about as easy as you like for Rob Thompson's squad. As Tommy Pham is due up here, it's one and two. You wonder about Kirkering, young guy, being a reliever, and he can definitely put up in these situations. Perhaps wonder feature faces and being relied upon in bigger roles where he's going to see more and more action. Yeah, and even in a situation like this, you're on the mound. You want to make sure to lock it down one, two, three, and make sure there's no damage. And speaking of a perfect pitch, that's a sweeper in the black. Go take a seat, Tommy. There it is. You see that new catcher, Garrett Stubbs. So you mentioned about it, John, about emptying the bench, getting your reserve guys out on the field. You mentioned Jake Cade and Mundo Sosa. Everyone from there, get them in so that they can get some reps. Get some reps and a relish in the victory. You know the crowd's been doing that. Christian Walker has not been able to come through in situations where there was runners available. Again, not now. It's pretty nigh impossible at this point with two outs left and down by ten. As Walker with a half cut, but he went around. It's one and one. And so if this going... You mentioned about this. It's not a safe situation, but Kirkering is treating it like one. That's how these reserves are going to go at it. Yeah, that one again. That's 98 on the inside black in the bottom quarter. That's a beautiful pitch. He is really playing this like there's bases loaded at this point with the way that he is pinpointing everything. And I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but he's uh, been on it right now at the top of the ninth, and he's task to finish this out. Everybody's been celebrating pretty much since first pitch and that's an accurate statement and this is slashed to Brandon Marsh and he'll get a base hit. Does Walker. Oh, that's an announcer jinx. <laughs> I don't want to say that but... Well Walker should have been able to come through you would think in a certain situation you would expect him to as we talk about with 258 and 103 RBI and 33 home runs. Again, he's one of the top tier players that you can put in any lineup. 
and we'll see what happens with Gabriel Moreno. He's had a strong game. I know there's been a couple times where he was robbed on defensive plays, but I go back to it, as I mentioned through the broadcast, for the Dalton Marshow trade, losing Lord Escuriel Jr. in the offseason, and again for the Blue Jays, when they got absolutely slapped by the Minnesota Twins, it's another year for guys like Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and uh, at some point, you don't think you're going to be able to sign all of them, and you wonder what the Blue Jays' ceiling would be. I'll just throw that out there, too. You'd wonder about that because the, the window is right there for the Blue Jays. you got to capitalize on that. You can't just give up series wins to teams that haven't won a series in 21 years, in back-to-back -back years. Right. And Moreno will sit down. So Keckering, that's a good job so far, and he's one out away for this game finally being over. But again, Alec, I am glad that you joined me in on this broadcast. I know you didn't have to, especially with this type of outing. But again, I appreciate it, my friend. This will probably count as our game of the week. We'll get the more conventional stuff maybe to the back end of the CS next week, and then we will definitely cover most of that World Series together. But this game has been an absolute laugher, and all that's left now is the final out for Lourdes Curiel. It's 1-0. I mean, without a Diamondbacks, this boy this ever just four hits on the game. They've won 46 postseason games without being shut out entering tonight. It seems that may be finally coming to an end. I think of one of the only times that the Diamondbacks made the postseason. I think that was like 99 with... Randy Johnson or something like that, I want to say maybe like earlier in the 2000s, that they won it. But this team seems like they might be running out of steam. As you said, 46 postseason games without being shut out doesn't happen very often. And a big swing and a miss, and the Diamondbacks mercifully down to their final strike. Hey, you mentioned about the year they won it all, 2001. Thank you. Cold World Series MVPs Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. That's the best of the best on that side. Two and two. And we will keep it alive for one more pitch. It's a full count. The runners can be off with two outs. And all that's left for the Phillies fans is just to celebrate and play that song that's at the end of it. Let's see what Guriel can do. Kakering as this is underneath it and fall back. I'm looking back and forth between this game and the NHL slate because <laughs> everything happening tonight. I'm getting half my attention on this game and half my attention on the other three games. No doubt about it. You are smarter than I am as we're locking this one in. And it's 98. It's popped up down the first baseline. It will stay foul. And we will do this for at least one more pitch. I have noticed that as soon as the postseason is gone on, we talk about pitch counts, engagements, and all that, that the games are supposed to be shorter. Well, right now it's a three-hour, 13-minute broadcast, so this feels like a regular baseball game at this point, as things will slow down in the postseason, as you would expect. We're waiting for another full-count pitch for the third time. Everybody's got their phones out. Strike three called, and the Phillies absolutely obliterate the Diamondbacks. It's 10-0. They take a 2-0 series lead as they go to Chase Field for three, but it might not even take that long. This was a beatdown of epic proportions. Oh, 
epic proportions, maybe an understatement of how this game was being played. <laughs> Certainly, without Bryce Harper was getting robbed of a home run, you would expect the final result to be 12 to 1 with how the Diamondbacks almost got uh, got a home run as well. And then again, the Phillies, they've been firing left, right, center, everywhere. Yeah. You, you can point which direction, and you would not be wrong on where you would go. I mean, look at it. You got this loaded lineup at the, at the Phillies between Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber as well, and everyone played their part. It was just a complete team effort by the Phillies on tonight, and it gives them some more room to think about on who to send out onto the mound. Most likely Ranger Suarez for game three. And then again, Philadelphia, as it says on one of the signs, six wins to go. Again, I would give you some expanded postgame thoughts, but Alec just nailed the bullseye. The only thing that we can throw out there was Aaron Nola, for as good as Zach Wheeler was, Aaron Nola pretty much pitched a shutout for the time that he was out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all that's left to say here. I'm glad that uh, we were on the broadcast. Thank you for being here, my friend. And we'll see what goes forward here for Philadelphia. But I feel like they're halfway to the World Series already because they already officially are. And for Texas, we'll see if Houston can find a way. But it certainly feels like the Phillies... And the Rangers will be the date, and when we get to that broadcast, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to next week. Between whichever one of these four teams meet, it's most likely going to be Texas and Philadelphia by the looks of it. I can't wait to see what's in store. I may not be available tomorrow between Max Scherzer and Christian Javier for the Rangers and Astros at Globe Life Field on the north side of Texas this time around. Even though I've only explored the Houston area, only been to the airport in Dallas, by the way. <laughs> but perhaps a time to capitalize now if you're the Texas Rangers. Yeah, you have to because time's running out on both of these squads. Thank you again, my friend. We'll do this again soon. For sure, John.